comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hey! Out Now is a film podcast as Abe and I are discussing new movies weekly. We also bring in the latest discussion about movie trailers, box office results and predictions, a callback to past films similar to the main film of the week, games, and other fun stuff. The main films of the week, we're doing another double episode. We are going to be talking about Lockout, or Space Jail, as I've been calling it, and uh, Cabin in the Woods. This is episode 53, by the way, for those keeping score. And joining us tonight, we have the writer for Huffington Post, Salon.com, and his own site, Mendelssohn's Memos, as well as the man to ask about the sinking of the Lusitania, Scott Mendelssohn. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? There's actually an anecdote by that, but it's not that good. Okay. I like my inside jokes that, like, only very few readers of yours will get. <laughs> I also listen to this show. Okay, so. Uh, apparently someone complained on that article and said it had 644 typos, to which I told them, if you'll point them out, I'll correct each and every one. Thank you. He's a man of his well, word, Colin. Um, <laughs> absolutely. I dare you. As I mentioned, we're going to talk about Lockout and Cabin of the Woods. And just to note, we're going to talk about Lockout first. Then we're going to talk about Cabin of the Woods in the most spoiler-friendly, the most non-spoiler-friendly way possible. Then at the end of the episode, we're going to go deep into spoilers. So we will we'll do the review. The standard reviews for both films. We'll try not to spoil Cabin of the Woods because it is a film that, if you haven't seen it by now, it's one that you know it deserves being seen with very fresh eyes before you really delve into what's going on in this movie. But then, having said that, we're going to deep. We're going to dig into what's going on in this movie following the wrap of the show. So like the last whatever, I don't know how long it'll take us to talk about whatever, 15 minutes or so of this episode will probably be devoted to spoiler talk about Cabin in the Woods. So, okay, setting up, I set up the stakes of the show right there. We good? Yeah. Oh, man. Got that. Those are some big stakes. (laughs) All right. So let's get some announcements going. Uh, One big one. Um, Shout out right here to friend and listener Graham Loff, who is a new daddy. He had a son this past week, so congratulations, congratulations, Graham. Yeah, I know he's a he's a loyal listener, so good for you. Congratulations! It's the best of times. It's the very worst of times. <laughs> um, let's see. Also, um, let's see. We had a contest a few weeks ago, and um, you know we had winners. And I will be shipping out those prizes soon. So just saying that they will be coming, and I know those people listen, so they should be expecting them. Also. Uh, we're going to have a new contest for this episode. I have a Cabin in the Woods t-shirt, and it is a large, and I'm not a large, and Abe, is he, he has giant muscles. He can't fit to the shirt. <laughs> I, I don't wear t-shirts. Yeah, Scott, Scott just, Scott's all about wife beaters. And, uh, no, Scott, no, no, the golf shirts, the polo oh, pants. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I have, I have a Cabin in the Woods large t-shirt, and I'm going to be announcing what the details of that contest will be in the spoiler section for Cabin of the Woods. I will make the contest very Cabin of the Woods related, so that's the plan there. And I'll throw in a DVD with that shirt. That'll be a horror movie to fit the theme. So there you go. So, contest, end of the episode. Stay tuned. 
Um, also, iTunes reviews and ratings. As always, it's fun to get iTunes reviews and ratings. Nice. It helps out the show. It takes very little time. So feel free to log at iTunes. Give us a rating if you want to take, you know, another five seconds or write out a sentence and, you know, help the show out. It's good. So thanks for that, if you do. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all our announcements. So let's move on and get to know everybody, where uh, we try to ask each other some questions and kind of set the tone for this episode and get to better know everybody. And um, I have a question that I will start with. Abe. Yes. Okay, so Lockout, Space Jail, is produced by Luke Besson. Luke Besson is he's known for his films like Leon the Professional and The Fifth Element and with him Nikita. But he also has a hand in coming up with the stories and producing a lot of other action flicks like the Transported series and Unleashed and uh, District B-13, which I mentioned last week, actually, and a lot of other movies. Um, do you have a favorite Besson-produced action flick? Produced? Hmm. Let me check out his stuff. Because I know off the top of my head, one of my favorite films uh, from him is, directed by him, is uh, La Femme Nikita. I remember seeing that when I was like eight. Uh, my brother brought it over and he's very Frenchy. But uh, produced, uh, I'd say the Transporter films. I like those. Uh, they were not too bad. Uh, I especially liked the first one up until the part where she's, where the, the person that he's transporting just like disrobes and they just start making love. I'm just like, this is stupid. And I turned it off. Because so, <laughs> it was really cool up to that point. I was like, all right, you guys lost me here. <laughs> Scott, do you have a favorite Europa Core movie? Obviously, I like Taken, just like everybody else does. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Taken. So I, well, I en- it wouldn't be my favorite, but I enjoyed From Paris with Love more than probably most people did. I have fun uh, with that movie. I, I saw it on DVD. I, I like the sheer amount of just relentless violence. <laughs> um, Yeah. And as for, I tuned out of the transport of the first one right around the time the supposed hero kills two police officers with no consequences whatsoever. He didn't. He didn't kill two police officers. He put them in the car. What was he gonna do with them? Even he the put, car had blown he, up. He was he, getting it. He, he was getting an orange. He put them in the car. He was. He was even getting. He, he was even getting them sodas. Yes. He was completely gonna let them go. That. <laughs> It was not. It was not his fault that someone planted a bomb in his car. <laughs> you do all legally speaking, it was a bomb, bomb. though. <laughs> ah, I did like the second transporter. The second like transporter, yeah. yeah, that movie is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you, like jumping off to, onto that crane. Yeah, that was, that was great. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, the third one's probably the most polished, but it's my least favorite, just because it's yeah, very aimless. <laughs> yeah, I agree, I agree with that. I was disappointed in the third one, although I've come to like it more. But yeah, it's too it's it's too. And again, it's, it's it's another weird movie where there's a scene where one of the guys that you think is a bad guy kills a police officer, just shoots him in the head and takes something, and then an hour later it turns out that those guys are the good guys. <laughs> it's like what? Lucas on logic. <laughs> It yeah. really is. I mean, I and I've noticed this with foreign action films, the morality is much more complicated. Oh, oh yes, oh yes. <laughs> when a John Woo film, the the cop can accidentally kill another cop, but it's okay because he feels bad about it. Uh, which you know, for better or worse, that would never he happen. It very much later, like yeah. in a very yeah. somber scene. Uh, All right, um, uh, Scott. What is your favorite kind of movie monster, or what kind of horror film do you like? Like, what kind of genre? Like the creepy kind, the weird kind. Found footage kind, etc. In terms of things that actually scare me, I'm gonna probably have to go with the monster uh-huh. kind. Um, you have a favorite monster in mind? There's a sh- the well, the mist. Oh, actually, there you go. I saw it once when it came out on DVD. I loved it, and there's a has everyone here seen the mist? It's I, a piece it's years yeah. ago. So we're probably. I, I love um, the mist. There's a scene at the end of the film where a certain creature is revealed. All it does is walk down the street. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. I still can't watch that scene. It just, for some reason, it just scares the crap out of me. Uh, and I have not watched that movie in five years because of that. I'd love to watch the black and white version, but I'm too creeped out to do so. I will recommend the black and white version just because it really works in that format. But, I, I'm sure it does. But, yeah, it, that's, it that, that's a, yeah, that's a, the mist is a great movie. And I don't even oh. want to say what makes it even greater. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but like the monster in Cloverfield, you know, was disturbing to me. The movie was okay, but the, the, I felt the creature was genuinely frightening. The actual main uh, monster? Yes, yes, the actual monster. Mm. Let's see. I feel like the, I'd be more creeped out by the Cloverfield monster if the if like every other J.J. Abrams movie monster didn't like r- r- look similar to it. Yes, the the dilution of the original product has not helped. Uh, the Relic has a great monster, even if he looks like Snuffleupagus. The Relic is a movie that we should do a commentary for. <laughs> yes. like, I have that on the list I, of movies. I like that movie. Scott, we are going at some point. We are going to do the relic commentary. <laughs> this will happen. Uh, if I have the time, let me know. Yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, do you like the host? I do. Yeah, I, I do. I love the um, host, and I love that it just it just flat out shows you the monster. Yeah, yeah. Way. I love how it just it, gets out gets it out of the way. He even mentions that in the commentary track that he made a point to not do the whole hide the monster to the last minute things. Like, no, it's broad daylight. We're showing this monster. He's eating people, and you know, move on. So yeah, I guess in terms of things that scare me, the the theoretical giant monster that goes bump in the night. All right, Scott. You're... Yeah. Oh, um, let's see. Yeah. Two movies that you're most looking forward to this summer. This summer, um, let's, I'll, I'll exclude Dark Knight Rises from that list, and um, I'll just say Prometheus, and I'll say Prometheus in terms of like the big blockbuster one. I'm trying to think of like a smaller one that's like coming out this summer. Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it for sure, but let me got to be something like desperately clinging to see. To, <laughs> what does that know, tell you about this <laughs> summer? There's a, there, there's a lot there's a lot of movies I'm thinking about right now, but I'm trying to think of like ones that really stick out. What's the one with Steve Carell that's coming out? A um, um, uh, friend at the yeah. end of the world. Yeah, like seeking a friend at the end of the world. I'm yeah, really looking like forward. I'm really looking forward to that movie actually. <laughs> I. I I, I, I like I like what I'm seeing in that movie. I, I, I like what I've seen in that preview, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that one quite a bit. But yeah, there's obvious ones too, you know, Avengers and Spider-Man, all that. Three Stooges. The Marriage Counselor. <laughs> the Marriage Counselor. <laughs> well, wait, that got moved. Never mind. The, uh, the Dictator. Uh, <laughs> Premium uh, Rush. Pre- Premium Rush. <laughs> Diary of a Whippy Kid Part 3, Dog Days. Is that actually coming out this summer? Yes, it is. And I will be honest, I'm looking forward to that more than... Oh, I don't know. Total Recall. Savages looks like a lot of fun. I I was I was in the, I was I was in on that one. Abe and Abe and Alan were not in on that one last week. Savage, but I, I like the idea of Oliver Stone having fun in a movie again. So. It, I hope it's better than U-Turn. But that was a long time ago. Yeah. All right. <sighs> um, Scott. Yes. Cabin in the Woods features a lot of deconstruction in a lot of ways about horror films. What genre of film would you like to see some kind of revisionist deconstruction of? Oh boy, they've already done so many for so many genres. Right. Uh, I'm gonna have to think a second on that one. They've already done the western. They've already done pretty much every famous comic has done a deconstruction of his own persona at some point. Yeah, really. Let's see. I a modern war film. You know, a, a well, no, that's not. Um, ooh, what are you thinking? I mean, do you have a genre in mind? Because I'm. Um, no, most of my questions come from I. 
am curious to hear what others have to say. So. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking it's a good question, but I'm, I'm every genre I can think of has already had a hand, you know, a couple deconstructions that come to mind. Yeah, because um, like, like the just, West, yeah, Western comes to mind. Easily. Or just like an out and out spoof, you know, something like Walk Hard, which made fun of the musical biopics of, you know, <laughs> the the uplifting biopic, you know, Oscar bait type movie, which still does a good job of entering itself into that genre. Yeah, it actually you know works as which is. That to me is the difference between a good deconstruction and a great deconstruction. You know, Galaxy Quest is a great deconstruction. That's probably the best Star Trek movie ever made. Okay, um, I would like to see. And I don't even know if this is even possible, but I would like to see a deconstruction of the Mad Libs generic blockbuster. That you know, something like Battleship that just is made up of spare parts from every other movie ever made. You know, seemingly has doesn't have an original bone or an interesting thought in its entire body, but it's still going to make a gajillion dollars. I, I yeah, I'd be curious. Which which I was, <laughs> but arguably Mars Attacks already did that. Yeah, Mars Attacks maybe you know. maybe Hot Fuzz kind of. Uh, so that's a little more. But yeah, I see I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mars Attacks is actually that's almost a good example. Yeah. yeah well, that's yeah. What I I always said it came out during the wrong you know after the wrong summer. 1996 was a very good summer with a lot of good popcorn films. If it had come out after you know 97, you know we were all licking our wounds from you know Batman and Robin and, and Speed <laughs> Two. I think it probably would have been more successful. Cruise Control. Or you know, <laughs> but I also you know if you watch Mars Attacks again today, I don't know Tim Burton's politics, but the film really plays like a right wing. You know, a a pro white wing, you know, satire of, of of you know a war a pro war hawkish war film, which basically openly mocks the liberal. Let's negotiate. Let's pass on blah blah blah. The entire film. I don't know if that was intentional, but it it reads like that. It reads like a. He had a lot of like, Ed, he had like Ed Wood and Strange and Doctor Strange on his mind and like mixed yes. them together. It, it reads like a movie that big Hollywood really enjoy. <laughs> I I do not know. That's the best answer I can give. That's a good question though. Uh, I guess Abraham by by a default. Yep. Okay, what the heck? Uh, three would-be big summer films that you have no interest in seeing. That if you see it, it will only be out of obligation. Premium Rush? <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be a big summer film. I don't, I don't think that's going to be a big summer film at all. <laughs> Expendables 2. Oh, Expendables yeah, yeah. Good, good call, Expendables 2. I am actually really excited to see Battleship, so I'm not going to I'm not gonna include that on that list. <laughs> um, what else is coming out uh, that's... Like a, let me, let me yeah, find it's like a big. I'm checking it out. Rotten Tomatoes right now. A big like summer movie that I would have no. Oh wait, is is a uh, is a uh, Twilight coming out in the summer? Okay, no. All right. November. November right, because then I'd be like, yeah, Twilight. Uh, Mission Imp- uh, not Mission Imp- uh, Men in Black. No, I actually want to see that though. Yeah. Are you wanna, okay, I forgot. My my mother-in-law really wants to see that, so I'll just see that, and it'll be okay because it's not my fault. <laughs> I'm, I'm family bonding. Let's see, I for, what did you think about GI Joe? I, forgot uh, I wasn't like a fan, but the second one actually looks better than the first one, so I'm actually okay with it. Um, here, let's see. Uh, let's see. We'll we'll definitely be talking Step Up Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be honest. Summer basically ends after the Dark Knight, anyway. Yeah, I'm looking at that I'm list. Looking at this, and... the late late July, August. I mean, I born legacy. Born legacy. Oh, here, here you go. Maybe paranormal. Madagascar three. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just like well, another one. My yeah. mother-in-law wants. To that actually comes out the same weekend as Prometheus, just... which I'm glad because then we probably would do Prometheus oh, instead. Yeah. Yeah. There's no. I I dislike Madagascar so much. Uh, this one. Care. This one seems like they just pulled the plot out of thin air and just like we still we need to get David Schwimmer some some work. 
I could like faint like anger. They're not even in Madagascar anymore. <laughs> he directed a damn good movie last year. Uh, did any of you see Trust? That's on my. That's on my. Haven't yet. I really wanted to. Yeah, Very Clive, good with, with Clive Owen and uh, who else? Yes. And uh, uh, Viola, da- uh, Viola Davis, Clive Owen, um, and those are the only names that come to mind. Off it, Catherine Keener. Catherine hmm. Keener. That's it. Okay. It's not Julia oh. Moore. Uh, Catherine Keener. Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. Okay. I want. Oh, yeah. I want to check that one out. All right. The two the two movies that have been hovering around my Netflix queue, Trust and uh, Troll Hunter. Those <laughs> movies that I need to see. <laughs> I heard Troll Hunter wasn't that bad. <laughs> I know, they, I know. They, it's they both start with TR. Oh. Uh, boom. There you go. Make myself a double feature night. All right. Uh, last hey. question. Um, Aaron, now, is it better seeing Maggie Grace getting saved by Snow or by Liam Neeson? And part two, do you like Maggie Grace better as the president's daughter, or as a woman child. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I, I've long I've long communicated by by feeling that Maggie Grace in Taken plays not just like she doesn't play a sixteen year old daughter of Liam Neeson because she's clearly much older than that. I'm pretty sure she's she has the way she acts in that movie, it suggests that she's much more of a special needs child. And she's like she's actually like twenty seven, but she's like playing like she's sixteen. That's that's the if you watch Taken and do me a favor, guys, watch Taken again and realize how terrible like the first twenty minutes of that movie are before it gets I think we've discussed it off air like a lot of times. Oh my god. Maggie Grace is like she's so like she has like pigtails and she's like wearing like these like jorts in the movie. It's so hilarious. It's so, I can't like take her seriously as like playing down her age. I feel like she's just actually like trying to act this way, but she's really older and she's just trying to cling on to childhood and like her her weird child state. It's hilarious to me. So with all that said, obviously it's taken. <laughs> it's way more entertaining to see her that way. But we'll get to our my views on a lockout soon enough, because that's gonna as well. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that question. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay. Um, I have to watch Taken again now. Oh my god. It, it's on. It's on FX because they have the movies. It's on like all the time. <laughs> I, I like Taken oh, still. It's, yeah. it's just so, like so so goofy. No, you know, it, it works. I you know I mentioned uh, I mentioned District yeah, B thirteen yeah, last did. week. I don't know if you can check it out yet, but I watched it again this week. I mentioned I told you I watched Juno a lot and I watched District B thirteen. That's the other one that I watched a lot and. That movie's really fun. Like, in ter- Scott, have you seen District B thirteen? I've seen both of them. The Ultimatum. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't crazy about Ultimatum, but I did like the first one. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, for sure. That's just a really fun parkour action movie. It's really quick. It's like what, like eighty minutes? It's maybe. eighty minutes long. Yeah. yeah. It's it's so like to the point, stripped down to the basics of like just oh. having having a fun. Cri- simple action plot that has a lot of really like neat stuff like it's from the director of taken actually i believe and uh and from paris of love actually so. yes and that's just it's a, that that might be my favorite luke Besson produced movie like that and I, I like unleashed a lot too of jet lee i think that's a song oh the, i i'm changing my answer <laughs> i really like that one that's it's a good a that's a damn good movie that's what i would say put bob hoskins and morgan freeman in yes it, it just works <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's let's move on. <laughs> so many tangents. Um, let's move on to our trailer talk. Each week we try to discuss a couple of the newest movie trailers of the week, and the first one I'm going to bring up right now because I'm really excited about it. It's Looper. It is the new film from director and writer Ryan Johnson, who previously gave us Brick and um, the Brother Bo- Brothers Bloom. Bloom. And that might not be the most familiar of titles to everybody because they're more independent, limited release movies. But Brick is a really cool high school set noir film, and Brothers Bloom is a pretty solid con artist film. And this is his newest film, which puts him into kind of the bigger budget area because it stars Joseph Gordon-Levitt 
and Bruce Willis as themselves, as each other. Uh, just, just the film is set in a kind of a future where there are this team of people called loopers who exist to assassinate people from the future. So someone from the future will be basically time travel exists in this movie. So someone from the future will be sent back into the past and a looper will eliminate, will assassinate that target and eliminate his body from time essentially. And so Joseph Gordon-Levitt is one of these loopers and apparently Bruce Willis arrives. It's himself as an older person. So older Joseph Gordon-Levitt arrives and he's like, I can't shoot myself and crazy things happen from there. We know very little about the actual plot, just that that's the essential premise of the movie and a whole bunch of other stars like Jeff Daniels, Emily Blunt, Piper Perabo, are all involved in this movie. It looks pretty exciting. I'm certainly excited about it. What did you guys think, Abe? Uh, yeah, I, I wrote on my, my Facebook. It's like, you know, Ryan Johnson and Jiggles hasn't really let me down. Um, I really loved Brick. Uh, I thought it was kind of really very original, and also uh, the way that they put it into, like, the future was really great. Um, and I think that it was just a really good movie. And Brothers Bloom, yeah, it's kind of, it's it's a little bit larger budgeter, but um, it's still pretty quiet and cool. Um, I really liked uh, the Japanese girl. I forget her name. Oh, okay. uh, she um, was in also in a. She was in, she was in yeah, Babel. Babel uh, yeah. uh, she got nominated nominated for Babel. Oh, but, my God. Um, what's her name? No, it's gonna bug me. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'll look it up. I can figure this out. <laughs> Rinko Kikuchi or something. Yeah, Rinko yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was really solid. And this trailer, I, I like how this trailer is uh, constructed. I don't think it really gives away too much, and I think that it um it allows you to know enough, but not to know all of it and they, i don't think they give away like uh like you know what the real deal is and so it's just it's really yeah, cool i couldn't tell you at all what the yeah really so I, I thought it was really cool and again i, I like ryan johnson and joseph gordon levin enough that i'm just probably just gonna see it regardless of what uh, anybody is saying scott uh i pretty much agree it looks like a lot of fun um i it looks you know it looks like an old-fashioned movie you know, I've mentioned this on my site a couple times here and there is one of the more positive developments of the last year and a half, two years is we're seeing a lot more mid-budget to low-budget, in some cases, star-driven pot boilers uh, with, you know, real movie stars playing real characters and character actors in supporting roles, chewing the scenery and, you know, things like, you know, whether I like them or not, you know, Limitless, Source mm -hmm. Code, uh, The Town, uh, and, you know, Looper is just another example about that. I think the premise is, you know, on its face, it's kind of silly. It seems like you're going through an awful lot of trouble just to kill somebody. And moreover, I, I, I hope the movie explains why, if they're sending old Joseph Gordon-Levitt back in time, why don't they, why they don't make sure that one of the other loopers other than him is the one that takes them out. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to hearing seeing how that plays out as well. Because <laughs> that, that would seem to be an unnecessary complication. <laughs> um you know, I, I assume that, you know, Paul Dano, if I've pronounced his name or not, um, would not recognize old Joseph Gordon-Levitt from the future and would just shoot him. Unless he's no, sending it, himself it, back in time on purpose. <laughs> oh, that oh, might be the twist. Oh, man. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, Let's not get carried thanks. away. I don't want to get you, spoiled. I'm throwing you guys through a loop. No. I'm sorry. Well, uh... <laughs> I, I do think it's it's funny. Just when my little, just something I noticed in the trailer, they set up the plot and they have this like 10 second montage of them basically getting drunk and sleeping with women. You know, that we are well paid. We live the high life. You've already established that they're basically murderers. Yeah. Are you supposed to also establish that they live hedonistically as a way of building more sympathy for these guys? It's just like Mad Men, but with more murder. <laughs> Pretty much. No, but, you know, other than that, you know, but other than that, it looks like a lot of fun. It, it, I, I assume it's going to be good. Uh, I like that the trailer sets up the premise and then does not have a, you know, 90-second action montage, which gives away key stuff from the third act. 
you know, it's it, the trailer only runs about 105 seconds, which is a good 45 seconds shorter than most trailers. And I hope that, honestly, I don't know what studio it is. I want to say Universal, it's but a, it's, um, it's, um, it's, um, oh God. It's Film a, District, maybe? No, it's, it's, it's Sony. It's TriStar. That's right. It's TriStar. Yeah. I hope they do not release another trailer after this. This is the only one they need. It sets up the premise. It establishes who the stars are. You know, game over. Stop while you're ahead. But yes, I think it's a very good trailer that absolutely sells, you know, it sells the movie. It does its job. Yeah, for sure. And I, I like, I just like that. It's a, it looks like a fun time travel. I like seeing good yes. time travel movies. And I'm a, I think I might have talked about this when I went to WonderCon that weekend. I talked about some of these trailers because I saw the panel for Looper, which had no footage. It just had them. T- it, it showed this trailer and then it just showed, it just had Ryan Johnson and Joseph Gordon Levin talking about, you know, coming up with this movie and having fun working together again. But the I, I'm aware that uh, Shane Carruth, who made Primer, uh, he he kind of helped consult on the film on or on uh, with Ryan Johnson about how time travel works. If anyone hasn't seen Primer, Primer is basically the the end all of time travel movies in terms of taking the logic very seriously. But yeah. uh, Ryan Johnson asked him some advice on how to construct time travel in this movie. So I'm just really excited to see time. I, I like seeing different movies handle time travel in different ways. So I'm excited to see another one of those happen. And yeah, I love this cast. I love seeing, I like the movie does it the, from what you see. I, I like how they've made Joseph Gordon-Levitt look like a kind of resemble a younger Bruce Willis. Like that's, that was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. And yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy this trailer a lot. And so I'm, and I, yeah, I enjoy the work of Ryan Johnson. So I'm just really looking forward to this movie. So. I'm looking forward to another great Bruce Willis time travel movie. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> because love, love in my that. offhand opinion, 12 Monkeys. Monkeys is probably my favorite time travel movie ever. That's a great one. And that's maybe that's a maybe a maybe a top five Bruce Willis performance side thing. Maybe. Yeah. That's that's a that's a solid movie. Twelve monkeys. That's good. I want I don't watch that right now. <laughs> you okay. did, you just don't know it. <laughs> Thank you. So speaking of <laughs> speaking of things that I really desperately want to watch, let's get to our next trailer for Chernobyl Diaries. This movie is from producer Oren Pelly, who created the Paranormal Activity series, and this is a film which has six tourists who are on vacation and they decide to take an extreme tour into the abandoned city near where the Chernobyl nuclear reactor disaster happened. And of course, during their exploration of this area, they discover that they are not alone. So we got some, you know, horror film it's not a found footage movie it, it kind of set, it sets up like it almost is in the beginning of the trailer but then it turns out it's basically kind of a straight ahead horror film so with all that said let's go into it Abe. um eh, i think that it's cool that they go back to chernobyl because that's a that's kind of a guess that nobody really kind of goes to in terms of horror films and maybe they do just offhand but it, it kind of reminded me of like a silent hill and um I wasn't a big fan of Silent Hill, and I thought it was really dumb and cliche. And this one, the, yeah, movie, the movie, right? the movie, not the game. The game I hear is like terrifying. But um, uh, this movie, it looks okay. I think that there were some parts that were kind of found footagey toward the end of the trailer. Um, it looks like it might be like a mix. Yeah, a mix like, of the two. It's like, like, like oh no, they're, like, they're all like, like district, like district nine. Yeah, yeah, they did. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I don't really, I don't really think that this is gonna be like, you know, a really cool next. Uh, horror movie genre kind of thing or even like an, an average kind of movie. Scott? I was bored to tears. <laughs> it looks ugly. It looks I mean, low budget to the point where you know nothing particularly you know, exciting is going to happen on screen. It, I don't, I don't know. And, it's a, it's a and without, movie. without going into too many details, it's ironic that I saw this trailer for the first time right before I saw Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. For reasons both 
philosophically and otherwise, it's it's yeah, that's that's <laughs> interesting. But no, I, I it looks incredibly boring to me. My wife wants to see it just because she likes trashy horror, but I basically <laughs> told her I saw the preview. Yeah, well, unless yeah, you're getting the babysitter if we're doing this. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm going to get a comment right now. It's called The Ukrainian Hills Have Eyes, which made me chuckle. <laughs> but, um, the yeah, I, I'm basically kind of there with you where I'm like, I don't need to see this movie. But I, I don't know. I like, um, I like, I still like the Paranormal Activity film series. So I'm curious to see Oren Pelly, he's producing this one. I I stuck around with the river his TV show for all all the way through that so uh, maybe I'll go check this out it comes out on Memorial Day weekend so you know just in time to double this with Men in Black three <laughs> and uh, you know maybe, who knows maybe it has more up its sleeve than it is a Warner Brothers film it's not like a it's not like super low budget so maybe there's maybe it's packing a surprise even though I kind of doubt that but yeah I'm not gonna go too enthusiastic about this one I'm still in the same basic boat as you guys it's you know what's kind of scary? What? If you look at the May, the wide releases in May, there's a probably a 50-50 chance that what you expect, what you're expecting, will be the second best movie of the month. <laughs> in terms of Damn. quality? In terms of quality. I mean, I'm going to assume The Avengers is good. Obviously, I was not lucky enough to see it yesterday morning. Yeah, that sucks. Um, <laughs> it sucked not going to that. Yeah. Uh, Twitter is like the living embodiment of just rubbing it in. Yeah. But anyway, no, it's it's uh, kind of a weak a, a weak month, but whatever. Anyway, moving for like on. for like the main blockbuster films. Yeah, but I, I hope Dark Shadows is good. Yeah, uh, it looks different. Yeah. Uh, from and but the Dictator looks boring as unbuttered toast. Um, I saw another trailer for the Dictator where like it gave away what the plot what? actually is, and I was yeah. like, I kind of well, didn't. I kind of wish yeah. I didn't see that because yeah, yeah. I would have been more surprised if I didn't see that coming. Yeah. It's like, oh, so it's going to be very generic. Awesome. Um, and you know, I, I Battleship has already been reviewed, and it's pretty much everything you think it is, for better or worse. We are gonna, um, Abe, I, I, Abe, I assume Jordan and Alan are gonna be in on that podcast, so we're gonna have a ton of fun watching. Uh, the, the only thing I want to know is, does somebody say you sent my Battleship? Yeah, that's, I think, the mind on America. Um, right <laughs> and ideally, America, it's Liam Neeson right before he dies. No, oh. <laughs> hopefully, he saves somebody's daughter. Yes. Yeah. And um, his so, own daughter. Maybe. We'll see. But um, speaking of saving other people's daughters, let's get on to our movie reviews. Let's get to our first one. Uh, nice segue. Oh, man. I'm full of it. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> in more ways than one. Let's move on to our first review for the film Lockout. It's the world's most secure prison, it holds the planet's deadliest criminals. It's impenetrable because it's not on Earth. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Do you dream while you're under? I'm going to dream about you. You want to test me? Sit down! He's got a gun! Mr. President, there's been a massive takeover on MS-1. My daughter is on a Goodwill mission on that station. There's only one man who can get her out. Who? Snow. He's the best there is. But he's a loose cannon. Don't get me wrong, it's a dream vacation. I mean, I go into space, I get inside the maximum security nuthouse. 
get past all the psychos, save the president's daughter if she's not dead already. I'm thrilled that you would think of me. Okay, so that was a little bit of the trailer for Lockout, the new sci-fi action flick from uh, producer Luke Besson starring Guy Pearce as Agent Snow. And uh, Snow is ex-CIA something or other, the best there is, and he's tasked with either going to prison for being falsely accused of something or going into space to space jail in order to rescue the president's daughter. Of course, the president's daughter, played by Maggie Grace, is, was on a humanitarian mission. And, of course, the prisoners managed to escape and take hold of the prison. So, no. now, yeah, I hate when that happens. God. And so now Snow has to go to space jail and not Pasco, not collect $200, but stop a whole bunch of space prisoners from taking the taking over the space jail and collapsing it just, just into Earth or something or other. Action happens and a lot of fun. So with all that said, Scott, what did you think of, what did you think of Lockout? I thought it was a lot of fun. It's very much a B-movie. It's got a bunch, you know, it's basically got Guy Pierce and I guess Maggie Grace, if she counts as a major actress, that's highly debatable. But, and you have, you know, Peter Stormware once again butchering an accent of unknown origin. I don't know what he was um, <laughs> But other than that, you know, I mean, they didn't even bother to cast any real, I I don't know anyone else in the film. Oh, um, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but no, it, it's a cheese ball throwback to... It was advertised as sort of an escape from New York type film, but I actually think it's more like a not even it's a not even a ripoff of Die Hard. It's even better than that. It's a ripoff of the Die Hard ripoffs that populated the video store shelves in the late nineties mm. that would premiere on like HBO or Showtime at four in the morning. Um, it has that really down and dirty, low budget mentality, both in terms that it's it's very cheap and with some really cheesy special effects, <laughs> and it's just relentlessly violent. In a way that, you know, frankly, most theatrical, you know, action pictures in that era were not, which makes its PG-13 kind of ironic, but I'll get into that later. You know, it, it's a throwback film. It, it's the kind of film they just don't make anymore. Is it good? Not really. It's it's not particularly, again, it's not particularly well acted. There's more random escapes and close calls than there is real hard action. Uh, most of the action is basically just moments of violence. The villains aren't that interesting, but it's fun. It's 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 the kind of film that yes, I went to see it at a press screening, but you know, I took my brother-in-law and he had a blast. I had a blast, and it's just the kind of thing that the AMC six dollar before noon matinee was invented for. You know, and I'm glad it was 2D because yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it's not the kind of movie you want to pay twenty bucks a ticket for. Uh, I thought it was uh, it was fun. Yeah, uh, it wasn't really anything beyond that. I think that um, the first uh, the first act is. Is great actually. It sets up Snow as like this really funny character. I actually really enjoyed uh, Guy Pierce in this role because he's so like sarcastic and he's so like um, macho and bravado. And it's just, it's like, oh, yeah, I can see a lot of him going into, or I can see him in other films with this character. Um, it kind of drags for me in the second and third act because it's kind of just really long. Like, well, why can't they just figure this out and go to like whatever they need to? For the most part, it's fun. There's like some comedic moments. There's hardly anything that you can really dislike because it's so goofy and off the wall. It's like, you know, like, again, it, exactly what Scott had said. It reminded me of, like, the Die Hard film series because you have, like, these Irish guys that are taking over the, the prison. And it's just, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, I guess that those guys, like, the cool guys, and they're going to be uh, all over it. But it's not really, you know, anything beyond... Uh, your standard, okay, well, we got a rescue mission, and only one guy is going to survive. It's kind of like The Rock. 
you know. So um, yeah, it, it's fun. I really wouldn't say that it's you know really worth uh, too much money. Um, I, I was sat through the credits and there's like a lot of like Eastern European names in there, and so I was like, oh, this movie must have been made for pretty cheap. And also, there's like this really funny thing. It's like it says 3D supervisor, and I was like, they were gonna have this in 3D. So it's, it's kind of interesting, but I'm glad that it wasn't, and um, it's kind of just worth your time if you're going to go and check it out with, like, some buddies, um, like, on a really lazy Wednesday or something. Yeah, I can, uh, I almost want to skip ahead to my rating, because this seems like an ideal movie for, you know, DVD or Blu-ray, <laughs> because it's so obvious that there's going to be an R-rated version of this movie. The the action's so choppily edited, because it clearly is much more violent than this theatrical cut is. But with that said, I also had a lot of fun with this movie, mainly because it just didn't let up. <laughs> I felt it, it um, there is like almost no downtime. It's so stripped down and bare to just like what it needs to be that the movie doesn't have a chance to let you think about how ridiculous it is because it already knows how ridiculous it is and it doesn't care. It just wants to keep moving and doesn't, you know, stop to make you think about what's important versus what needs to, you know, just get down to the basics of what this really silly story is. And um, I was uh, wrongly associating this also with, uh, like, a John Carpenter Escape from New York type movie, when it really isn't, because it's really much more, like, exactly what Scott thought. I was, I was surprised at how, like, in sync my and Scott's opinions of this movie were, are, because it's it's completely like a 90s Bruce Willis action movie. It, opposed to a John Carpenter movie, which is... It's very those movies are much more his movies are more methodically paced. They're 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 westerns basically, regardless of what he he's trying to do with it. It's basically paced like a western. This movie is so frantically paced, it's ridiculous. It just it just hurls itself into one crazy situation after another. And it just has fun. Now, like the best thing I can say is there's like a motorcycle chase that happens in the beginning oh, of this movie. Geez. If you can't get past like the, the how ridiculous <laughs> that scene is, then you're probably not gonna love this movie. I'll give <laughs> like, me that up later. <laughs> It's so like if, it's so over the top bad CG that it's, it's like some of the worst special effects I've seen in theaters in years. I loved it. Yeah, and that's ba- like the tone of this movie is essentially it's not ready for this. It's basically like it just doesn't care. It's just like you know what? This is the movie we are. We're gonna have Guy Pierce on a fake motorcycle riding like in incomprehensible yeah. speeds and like just crash to a subway station and like suddenly he's real again. It's so like absurd that it's like I guess this is the movie we're watching, and then you, then you carry on, and then it gets to space jail stuff. I can't tell you how much I love saying Space Jail, by the way. As much as, I like, as much as I love saying Frost Giants, Abe, and I just watched Thor again, and I'm just reinvigorated by the word Frost Giants. But Space Jail is so, like, ludicrous. And, like, it's, yeah, like, not only are prisoners in space, but they're held in, like, cryostasis. Like, the, this is, like, the weirdest space prison idea. <laughs> and, like, everything that leads up to the like, how they escape from prison is amazing, where it's just this one guy, this yeah. one Secret Service guy who's, like, I don't need to give him my gun. I'll just leave it in my head. Like, it's just so, like, poorly saved. May, may I just interject for a moment? Go for I don't it. remember that man's name, because I don't want to make noises, so I'm not going to look him up. But I almost appreciated, in this day and age, that we had an African-American actor playing a character so blindly incompetent. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of the reverse of, you know, these days, you know, I guess, you, could, you know, it's sort of the reverse of, what do you want to call it, the magical mystery Negro, as Spike Lee would say. Yeah. It's like it. It was nice to see a, a black guy allowed to play a character so epically stupid. 
And that's not the only mistake he makes during his his you know screen yeah, time. Yeah, he, he makes another uh, key one. Yeah, he makes another. <laughs> he makes huge a, which is which he makes another one, which is kind of hilarious because it's like the kind of solution to whenever a door is locked or when it, yes. whenever a door is locked or when it's unlocked. The only need the only thing you need to do is shoot the panel. And it'll either lock or unlock a door. Like yes. this, I love that cliche, and then that gets turned around on him, and that's hilarious. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I I really had fun with this movie. Guy Pierce is kind of amazing yeah. here. Like he just he's completely like he is so like one liners all the way, no care, and he's like she's buffed he's up in this yet. movie. Yeah, and like opposed to playing like another like uh, Len- Lenny and Memento or like LA Confidential, where he's like really just like downtrodden and tormented the whole movie. He's just having fun here, and I like seeing that. I like seeing Guy Pierce beat a, mo- a role like this where he's playing like, this mix of. Han Solo and Kurt Russell and John McClane into one like badass named Snow. <laughs> so. Who sent you? Your old man did. My dad. What did he say? Uh, well, I didn't get to meet him personally. He kind of delegated your rescue. He had a big conference on the corn surplus. You kidding me? No, no. Apparently, we should all be eating more corn. About my father. Oh yeah, yeah. I made that other bit up. Did he have a message for me? Yes, you are adopted. Yeah, I had, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. The only thing that really bothered me about the movie was the fact that it was PG-13. Yeah. yeah. And that's not really the movie's fault. It just, you know, it, it, it and I've whined about this on my blog here and there, you know, but, you know, as a result of the 2001 FCC crackdown on how R-rated movies are marketed to kids, it was something that was inspired by Columbine, basically. Oh, my God, we're marketing R-rated films to kids, even though kids are allowed to see them with parents. Uh, as a result, basically, it was financially, for a while, it was financially imprudent to make R-rated movies for, you know, mainstream audiences. So what ended up happening is you had a lot of, instead of kids not being exposed to R-rated content, you had a crap load of R-rated content being squeezed into PG-13 movies. And this is a perfect example. This, I mean, are we on spoiler territory or no? For a lockout, I wouldn't say delve, I wouldn't delve too deeply into it. Okay. An incredible number of people are killed in this film. Yes. Um, (laughs) Very viciously, brutally, Without really, you know, sab, you know, it's a brutally violent. It's an R-rated film. Yeah, if it, it, it's I, I, like I, an R-rated film. It it has adult sensibilities. It's very cavalier and crass about its violence. It's very nineties. It's very, yes, like, very you know, yes. which is a very specific thing because I think eighties is more like heroic, upstanding. It's very, it's the Reagan era. It's that yes. whole Arnold Schwarzenegger is just a great guy and he's going to do what he can and he has big giant muscles. Nineties action movies are still R-rated, but they're more anti-hero-y like it's it kind of calls back to 70s stuff too where it's like the hero the heroes aren't necessarily big and bulky but they're gonna get the job done even if they're kind of badass on the way and like not necessarily yeah exactly cynical that's the perfect way to go um and this is a very cynical movie i mean you know from the get-go the president and his advisors basically saying eh, kill all the rest of them we don't care as long as we get the daughter out alive (laughs) uh and you know they're they're under no illusion that guy pierce is theoretically there to save anybody else and again it's it's you know, it's not the movie's fault that the studio, and whether this was done in Europe, I don't know, as well as America, but it's not an appropriate film for kids. And it bothers me, frankly, that this clearly R-rated film, just because you cut a little bit here and cut a little bit there, is basically now the same PG-13 rating as something like, you know, I'm guessing sight unseen, the event, you know, Thor, which is a pretty PG-rated movie, all things yeah, considered. Yeah, it is. But again, that's not the film's fault. But it sort of annoyed me, go you know, watching the film. It yeah, and because I because like I remember like Taken came out and that was PG thirteen here. But I know it was the cut that was released on DVD Blu Ray here yes. was the cut that European audiences saw originally. Yes, and it's like 
I, I don't know what studios thought. I don't, I don't know like how much money, more money they thought Lockout was going to make because it was PG-13. We can get to that in the box office because it really isn't too much. <laughs> so it's like, what what did they really... I, I'd like to know like what the analysts were thinking when they, they knew Blockout well, was coming out. Well, it's the same thing with Colombiana, which is another Luke Besson film. Yeah. That's a you know again it was cut to ribbons for a PG thirteen yeah. you can see you, know, you can see where they cut you can see where they you know they they uh, turned down the volume on the sound effects mm-hmm. you know the punches and the shooting and whatever and that's clearly an R rated film with R rated sensibilities but again you know it's they're both low budget films you were asking about the budget uh, lockout cost like twenty million dollars you know what they have to lose by just releasing this as an R rated film they're really? losing yeah. the Maggie Grace audience um, the Maggie Grace audience. <laughs> what Maggie Grace audience that seventeen year old wanting a pony for your birthday audience they they they, re- they like everyone that loved the fog was gonna go and see the lockout this weekend that seventeen year old that wants a pony for her birthday went to saw the Hunger Games this weekend yeah, exactly yeah. again. <laughs> For the third time in a row. <laughs> and frankly, that's another, but uh, that's old news. Okay. That's a film that, in my opinion, was very hurt by its PG-13, but that's... For, for Lockout, yeah. The uh, I, re- I like the banter between... I like the banter between Maggie Grace and Guy Pearce. I like that this movie was very much... It's very much a comedy. Like, and there's there's a, there's a lot more comedic elements that I, I don't know if one would expect, but it's very comedic as well as action. You know, the action stuff, it's not even really, like all-out action as opposed to it's there's a lot of chasing going on there's not like there's not a lot of guy pierce doing just big fight scenes in this movie no him like involving himself in stuff where he has to take out other people in cleverish ways which could be way more violent if this movie was rated r (laughs) given some of what he uses to dispatch some of his enemies but i did i liked i liked a lot basically i like guy pierce interacting with other people and i think maggie grace she did a good job of being game to take in what guy pierce was throwing out at her I mean, the, the best way that they set it up was, like, just that opening sequence where they're interrogating Guy Pierce, And that gives oh, yeah. you, like, basically his persona for the film. And it, he, he, he he makes it last, and it's great. And the other thing is, like, there's, like, the part where he's cleaning up one of her wounds, and that was a really funny scene, too. Um, yeah, that's yeah, a it's just scene, like He's yeah. just like, shh. And she's like, did you hear something? like, no, I was just enjoying the silence. <laughs> <laughs> one, one thing I liked about their relationship is that it didn't try to make her into a stereotypical oh, she's a woman, but ooh, she can kick ass. The dynamic was she was at the moral superiority versus his, you know, general brawn. Yeah. And I like when they make an effort to distinguish the female in a way other than that, oh, well, she can shoot a gun too. Yes, that's why this feels like, that's why it's a very Besson-produced film. His his movies, they don't all have romantic leads or female co-stars in them necessarily, but I feel like none of them really, they don't necessarily play to standard types as opposed to other American-produced action movies that do follow very familiar formats, like all the diehard ripoffs that you mentioned earlier, (laughs) Chris. It's, it it feels, it has a very international spirit to it, I think, that can be looked it, that can be that aspect can be looked over for by those who aren't maybe seeking out to see other aspects of the film beyond the ridiculousness of it. But they're not to say that Lockout's completely deep, but it does have things that are playing a little bit different than opposed to the the average action movie. I think one of the things I appreciate about that too is just like the international feel to it is just that you know there's this dialogue exchange at the end of the film where they could have gone with like a romantic ending. But they chose not to, and I was like, I, I think I like that a lot better than if it had been like, yeah, the guy gets the girl at the end kind of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, it, that, that would have made it really, like, extra over-the-top kind of cheesy, even though it already is. But at the same time, it's it scaled back in some sense of, like, American audiences or, like, American films, how they would make this. 
And so I did appreciate that that um, European sense to it, that European style to it. Okay, so uh, anything else about Lockout before we wrap it up there? If you like no contest, you'll love Lockout. <laughs> contest. <laughs> okay, okay, so let's get to our rating. Then each week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we try to rate our movies based on when you should go and see them. And so that kind of goes on a scale from IMAX to theater, dollar theater, Netflix, HBO TV, or just kind of forget about it. So, uh, Abe, where on that scale would you place I'd put it? this on a net scale. Um, yeah, Netflix. Oh, Netflix, yeah. Net scale, is that what I said? Um, <laughs> net, Netscape 2.0. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Call back. Uh, yeah, Netflix, you know, you can just watch this um, with a group of your friends when you guys are just hanging out. Scott? I'd say it's, you know, on one hand, it's a, you know, as I said, it's a perfect $6 movie on a Saturday afternoon with your buddies. Having said that, because, as you said, you know, it, there's a good chance the un, the DVD Blu-ray will be about 10 minutes longer and be highly unrated and far more of a coherent picture, wait for DVD Blu-ray. Don't wait for Netflix, because Netflix will probably have the theatrical cut. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's where I stand as well. Go see see it on Blu-ray right when it comes out for the unrated edition of it. If when the when the, the general populist surge of we need more lockout happens and they decide to re-release the film and they put out the unrated version into theaters, go see that too. That's <laughs> that, that likely situation that will occur. Well, thirty years from now it'll be re-released in three D. <laughs> okay, so that's enough about Space Jail. Let's move on to our next review. Or no, let's sorry, let's I got a thing here. Um, we are going to do, okay, so we've been doing Instead or Because of for the past yeah. few weeks now. I I like saying, I like Instead or Because of, but I kind of want to change it. Okay. I'm, kinda, I'm, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm constantly underwhelmed by with, with the, with the, the, name with the re, 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 yeah. retitlings of Retro Review, but I, I have a new one now. Maybe this one will stick. I'm going to call it Movie Callback. Ah, callback, callback, callback. Yeah, right, the echo. Movie Callback. Callback, back. callback. So this is what we normally called, we used to call Retro Review, but then we realized we don't really review these movies as much as just make, make a callback to them. So why not just call it that? Movie Callback, callback. where we yeah. kind of, <laughs> where we just kind of name a few films that kind of relate to the main features that we talk about every week. So with that said, what movies do you think Lockout called back to, Scott? Um, No Contest, Sudden Death. Um, Sudden death. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as I said, it's, it's more the diehard ripoffs than actually diehard mm-hmm. itself. About two dozen movies, the heist, which, you know, Andrew McCarthy and uh, a bunch of other people that I've never heard of them. You know, again, you know, there's a bunch of movies that used to air on Showtime, HBO, one, two, three, four, five at like four in the morning that were basically straight to VHS action pictures. And they all pretty much had the diehard ripoff. It was basically a subgenre because it, it was a way to do. You know, an action picture with very low production values. You needed one location, one lone hero, a villain or two, a few hostages, and you're good to go. Um, so those kind of movies. Yeah, like a lot of like uh, when John Woo came to America, uh, he did movies like Face Off um, and like Broken Arrow, like those kinds of movies. That that's what this reminded me of. Like this is that's what the callbacks that I got. I uh, the energy of this movie almost reminded me of Crank, just because that's a similar movie that just doesn't let up does really care it just like just keeps going not that it really reminded me of the movie crank in terms of plotting but just kind of the, the tone the energy and then uh the last boy scout came to mind because i was all in the 90s bruce willis mode while i was watching this movie and uh, then con air seemed pretty oh nice. yes <laughs> how can i forget I <laughs> yes you're right con air <laughs> space jail all right so that's that's a little bit of the uh movie callback that was oh, a pause man. for a oh. but he did do it. Oh, <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's move on to our next review then for Cabin in the Woods. And here's a little bit of the trailer without spoiling too much. 
Everybody ready? Okay, so that was a little bit of the trailer for Cabin in the Woods. Now, um, keeping in mind that we will be doing a spoiler section later, we're going to keep it, you know, fairly light in terms of talking about explicit details for the movie, so I'll just keep it simple here. Uh, Cabin in the Woods is about a pretty standard story of teenagers, or I guess college kids, college kids going on a weekend vacation to a cabin located in some kind of, what am I thinking? Oh, woods. (laughs) And... um, you have all your favorite characters. You have the jock, the uh, virgin, the... I was going to say slut, so I will. The slut, the uh, uh, the stoner, and the uh, the other smart guy. And they all head off to the cabin in the woods. They're all, you know, likable guys that want to have a good weekend. And bad things happen eventually to them. But there's maybe more nefarious deeds afoot going on than meets the eye. I packed like three different references in that one. So with <laughs> the vaguest and weirdest of plot summaries aside, um, Scott, what did you think of Cabin in the Woods? Uh, it's my favorite film of the year so far. And it's the first film I've seen in theaters in a really long time that I can't wait to see again. Nice. Um, I think a second viewing will be immensely rewarding. One of the things I liked about the movie, even aside from certain you know symbolism philosophical discussions blah 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 is that the characters the 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 teens the kids were very well written and very well acted you know the the quote-unquote slut wasn't that slutty per se she was just in you know all the kids were very intelligent you know they even you know the the first scene you establish they're all studious kids that go to college and actually go to class and you know, even the quote-unquote jock character played by Chris Hemsworth, they established very quickly that he's actually a nice guy who actually, you know, studies on occasion. The quote-unquote, you know, virgin is more of just a normal girl that doesn't really fit in any particular stereotype. And I appreciated that. As the film progresses, I like, is discussing the symbolism or and or deeper meaning count as a spoiler? I think you can say things like this movie take it, it takes into account the fact that other horror movies have done this before that kind of yes that kind of talk it, it's something that that okay you know what, I'll, I'll just quote my review i don't like to do that generally but whatever okay it's something that starts out like it might be some kind of deconstruction and in the end it turns out to be almost a rebuttal yeah. to deconstruction a rebuttal to the we must overanalyze everything and we must obsess about every little detail before the movie even comes out you know, it's sort of a an ode to just being surprised at the movies again, being surprised at story turns and character development and plot twists, because there are a number of them in this film, and they're, most of them are pretty satisfying. And I think to a certain extent, the film is a rallying cry for the horror genre to just try to do something a little different. Don't give everybody the same old ripoff of, you know, let's rip off Saw, let's rip off Paranormal Activity, let's rip off the Blair Witch Project, let's rip off Wrong Turn. And it's sort of a reminder that, you know, these ripoffs all occurred because some horror film tried something a little different. Because, you know, this genre film played a little bit outside the box in the first place. 
you know, it's sort of them saying, if nobody is ever willing to take a chance and step outside a little bit, we're never going to get the classic horror films that make the genre worth watching. And I hope I haven't said too much just from that. Oh, um, I thought that this was a really <laughs> clever film. It's, it's really well done. I think that they did um, a great job of mixing a lot of comedy elements into it as well. Yeah, it's very yeah, fun. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's a good time all around. I think that they, you know, the so, so-called deconstruction, as I'm sure we'll get into later, that, that comes into play pretty early on, and it becomes pretty uh, relevant. And then you can... You can think about it throughout the film. There's a lot of polls and stuff like that. I think that there's a lot of things that, or maybe there's like three large things that I think about in this film. I, I'm going to save those for after the, the, the end credits. Um, but it's really fun. I think that the, the characters, they're not, I agree with Scott, you know, they're not dumb. And uh, there's like this part where they're 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 saying that you know the guy's on full academic scholarship here, and so that's really you know something that you don't really see too often. They make these guys fit into these molds, but overall, you know, I it's just it's fun. You should go see it uh, again. I agree with Aaron's like you know try and go almost like a blank slate, um, keep an open mind about things, and uh, be prepared just to have a really awesome time. I, I just, I mean, is there really anything else that you can say about this movie without going, you know, too deep? Well, I'll, I'll try to do that right now. Um, the so I, I've no, I've known about this movie for a while, just be, as being kind of you know film geek that I am. Where you know we, we all research like you know go on the internet and you know look about things like that. And I've known that this movie's existed, and I know that this movie is long delayed, and it's because of MGM had financial troubles, so the movie basically sat in limbo for a while. But then Lionsgate picked it up, and now it came out, and. I also was aware that crazy things were going to happen in this movie, and it'd be best not to know what some of those things were. So I somehow managed to not see any trailers for this movie, going to the lengths of, of course, closing my eyes and you know shutting my ears any time a, a trailer were to play during an actual movie, and then just fast-forwarding through previews. Thank God for DVR. So go. I went to the first the movie completely fresh and was so happy to have done so because I watched the trailer afterwards and I, my mind works in a way where I would have pieced together things more than I would have liked to having if I had seen the trailer beforehand. But going in completely fresh was very rewarding to me. I was so happy to have seen this movie, not knowing anything about it, just being genuinely surprised about where it went because it's such a a fun take on this type of movie that has so much fun exploring these kind of characters, the archetypes that they're supposed to be resembling and how they become them and how they break apart from being them. And at the same time, I saw this movie again uh, a few days later because I also love it a lot. And um, I was happy to see that it's just as rewarding to see it a second time as well. It's knowing where it's going to be going. So either way you see this movie, it's very satisfying in almost all regards. Even if you were to watch the trailer, I would say you're not, you're certainly not learning everything about right. the movie because no, it, it, it like even in the in the opening minutes of the actual movie, you basically learn that something's going on. That's not that's like more than meets the eye. But um, <laughs> the yeah, so you know, some there's are something's off kilter about this movie, but that only helps because it you know I, I like being allowed to think about things from other aspects and not just the standard of who's gonna die first or something like that. I like that there was these other elements to it where you're like. Well, what does that have to do with, or how, how do these other characters involve themselves into these characters? Like, it's just interesting to watch all that. So, with all that, and with all, without that out of the way, the movie's just a ton of fun. Like, I wouldn't say it's necessarily really scary, opposed to other horror movies that try to be scary, but I'd certainly say there's a lot of tension in a lot of scenes. There's one scene in a, in the cabin, which 
involves a character performing a dare and i was actually on the edge of my <laughs> really? seat watching this happen because i was because it's like i knew something i knew this wasn't going to happen i'm like this isn't gonna like this can't happen but at the same time the way it's such clever editing where it's and like use of music where it's just like will this happen is this person really says something I was, I was like legitimately scared for this person's life in one moment but regardless like the, the movie yeah it, it, it certainly delivers on the blood and gore aspect of and that makes me just because i'm a huge evil dead fan i'm always happy to see over the top amounts of blood and gore being spilled on screen so it delivers in that but i wouldn't say it's like i wasn't you know lying awake at night because of being scared of this movie that said it's a lot of fun to watch it's so satisfying just to see how the film plays out overall and where it where it goes and the, the third act gets really wild like the best. Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah it's good it's yeah so i love how vague we're being about this movie yeah, you, but it's, be re, yeah, it's really it's really enjoyable and let me let me just say i i did find there was especially in the third act there are moments that i found very creepy and disturbing um, I'll go into you know details when the time comes, mm -hmm. but you know a lot of people have been throwing out Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, Scream. I think this film is better than all three of those. Um, I think this is a better. I think it's a better, deeper, more satisfying picture than any of the Evil Dead films and or at least the fir first, third, and fourth Scream. Uh, I really like Scream Two. I know I'm the minority on that, but I like Scream you know, Two a lot. Also, fair enough. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> it, 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 um, it's it part of what inspired me to want me to get you on the show, <laughs> your arguments about Scream. <laughs> Fair enough. And between this, Serenity, you know, flexible quality aside, between this, Serenity, and what I've heard about the Avengers, I'm starting to think that Joss Whedon is as good about crafting a just a terrific third act as somebody like James Cameron. I should, yeah, I didn't note this at all, but I should note that Joss Whedon... I'm sorry, Alien Resurrections, Joss Whedon, and um, the writer of all your least favorite episodes of Alias is Drew Goddard, collaborated on this film. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Joss Whedon, of course, Buffy and Angel and Firefly fame, and, and Drew Goddard of, in the J.J. Abrams camp of writing episodes of Lost and Alias, and, uh, and he wrote uh, Cloverfield also. Uh, they, they collaborated on this film, they co-wrote it together, Drew Goddard directed the film, and yeah, so there's that aspect of it. Um, and, you know, he, I hope Drew Goddard, Goddard doesn't get Henry Schellick to death over this in terms of credit. Yes, it's Joss Whedon's script, but it's a very well-directed picture. And I hope as the film enters cult infamy or whatever, as I'm sure it will, oh, yeah. that he gets the credit he deserves. And he doesn't have to go off 10 years later and make a core line to get, you know, find, you know artistic respect. Although, go for him if he can make a movie as good as Coraline. I, I have a question. Um, I feel like Scream is an easy movie to toss yeah. out in terms of what to compare this to. Would you say that's a fair? Because I kind of don't I, think it might be a fair comparison. I don't think I, it I don't is. Think it is either. But, uh, um, and I think I say that because like oh. I think that they're 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 addressing similar topics, but they're saying them in different ways. And I think that that uh, Cabin in the Woods has way more meaning to it than Scream does. Well, I would argue loosely, perhaps that. The Cabin in the Woods, to a certain extent, deals with, or may deal with, depending on your interpretation, the morality of people that make and watch horror films, which is something that at least the first two Scream films heavily discussed. Yeah. Um. So I think in terms of discussing the, you know, the the mind of someone who would make a horror film and watch a horror film, 
you know, I mean, I, for example, you know, my wife and I got into Criminal Minds last summer. You know, it was sort of that, you know, a, a dumb show to catch up on when you know our, our second kid was born. And it's it's basically Justice League meets James Patterson. It's cheeseball <laughs> fun. But you're watching these episodes where you have just incredibly, horribly violent, terrible things happening to, frankly, people that are usually you know off limits in in television movies. You know, home invasions where kids are shot on screen. You know, graphic rapes that are just off the side of the screen. And he was like, okay, you know, whatever, we're watching this. But, you know, what, you know, I wonder, could I write that? You know, could I objectively and coldly write that in a screenplay? You know, maybe after I'm a father, whether or not that affects me. You know, talk to, you know, you know Steven Spielberg. Oh, you know, I could never write the, the kid being killed in Jaws today after I've had kids. And you have to wonder the mentality of somebody that could objectively write that scenario, even in a fictional in right. a screenplay. And I think to a certain extent, without going into details, I think there's some of that in Cabin in the Woods. And I think there's some of that in the first two Scream films. Yeah, um, I feel like I feel like if, if Scream and Scream Two present like maybe like a three-page paper, I feel like Cabin in the Woods is like a thesis on yeah, what yeah, you're exactly. trying to do. And yes. also, Abe, this makes me dislike you so much more because you like Scream Four, and I it was Cabin fun. In the Woods is my, I did, I did, Cabin in the Woods is my argument what? against you for that. I it was fun because it was like, oh yeah, this is a really stupid comedy or, or I thought it was fun. I thought, it's not like I thought. It was I, I, I whenever you bring up Scream Four for now, I'm gonna throw Cabin in the Woods in your no, face. I, I, I it's a movie that that whose prime basis was to advertise its own uselessness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And to mock you for wanting to I see it. I thought that it was fun. I was like, wow, these kids are really stupid in this movie. Oh. <laughs> oh, Plus, boy. that summer was really boring. I mean, we saw, like... Uh... It was April. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it was April. Early summer. What can I say? <laughs> May. You know, spring. Rio was good. You could have seen Rio. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Jesse Eisenberg had a good year that year. <laughs> Here's a random thing that I just learned. Jesse Eisenberg's the older brother of the Pepsi yeah. girl. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I read that on his IMDb page. I was like, what? Really? I like that. That seemed I like, oh, that. That, it's like, like, what? That makes sense. It, like, I looked at it, like, I had a picture of them together, and I was like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, let's get, let's talk about these characters a little bit. I like these characters a lot. I know you yeah. guys did too. And I was ha like, once again, a Chris Hemsworth, Thor, Dude, he has yeah, a nice that smile. Guy's, like, legitly, <laughs> but, legitly. But like, I love that scene of just him. What the, all of the like when you first meet all these guys, and he just he just comes in, he puts on his smile, and like, but just the way he interacts with his girlfriend in this movie, with the other, with the main lead of this film, Dana, that character, uh, Kristen Connolly, like just the, the all of these characters, they have great chemistry. Together. Like it feels they feel like friends, and they're also likable. None of them do things where I'm like, oh, you should like beyond the um. God, it's interesting how this movie plays out too, because it's on. It's it's trying to. It's being a movie about a cabin in the woods. It's big. It's I mean the title's so deliberate like it's ridiculous but like it's being a movie where you have like the characters fulfilling the roles that they're meant to do in this movie yet they're not essentially they're not necessarily those characters to begin with and i love how it plays around with that but that said be getting getting into the before they get to the point where they're like faced with maybe the, maybe some of these people will die it gets to the idea of these people are doing things that are generally acceptable. Like they're just people you want to like kind of watch and follow and be like, Oh, I hope they have a nice weekend together. Kind of thing. It's... They treat each other with respect. Yeah. Yes, yeah. very much. So it's certainly not mean spirited mm -hmm. anyway. I think that one of the best lines, um, like, uh, you know, they get into the comedy. It's like where uh, he's talking to his girlfriend and he's just like, where did you get these books? Who talked about I learned it from watching you. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you know, they're, they're genuinely, there's some genuine chemistry with these guys, and they they don't play like, you know, it's like that 
You're coming in low. It's like that joke in Scary Movie where it's like, yeah, they're probably going to cast like 30-year-olds to play us as like teenagers. You know, it's like it's kind of that joke, but at the same time, it's kind of not because they're in college this time. So it kind of makes sense that these people look yeah. older. So, yeah, you know, it, it's it's very clever writing, and I really appreciated that aspect of it. Also, the stoner character in this movie, a character I never really look forward to seeing, is hilarious in this movie. Like, he like he gets, like, some great laughs in this movie. They don't feel like dumb stoner jokes. They feel like this character actually, he, he has things to say that are, like, funny, right. and, like, they, they're just really, yes, well, it's... Well, they don't mock the fact that he's a stoner. Yeah, yes, yeah, you know, yeah, he is, basically He's afforded equal respect, yeah. and he is not stupid. He's actually quite intelligent, and I think that's the difference. He's not annoying. He's not obnoxious. He is a decent, intelligent man that happens to right, smoke Right, yeah, pot. he's not that guy that follows you guys around with, like, a video camera telling you guys, hey, you know, in this movie, you gotta watch out because, like, the killer comes out from one last gasp. It's like, no, he's not that guy. Yeah, he's not the guy telling you the rules right. in the movie. He's a guy that's you know, following suit with everybody even else. Even though he's sort of the fifth wheel in terms of the relationships, he's not running around screaming, you guys are gonna have so much sex! <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have any friends like that, but I kind of wish I did. <laughs> Husband bulge. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let, let's let's be a catchphrase. Yeah, I hope so. It's gonna be on a shirt. Um, let's let's wrap it up like right now, so we can kind of move on to other things, and then we'll get back to Cabin in the Woods later on, so we can really delve into more analysis of the movie. So, with that said, let's rate the film real quick. Um, rating scale: Where a where would you put it? Uh, I definitely see that. I mean, like it's it's kind of a toss up between IMAX and and theater, but I I just go with theater with this one. Um, because it depends on your 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 acceptable level of violence and gore, so I'd go with theater for this one. Strong theater though. Mm-hmm. Scott, uh, all of the above. See it in theaters. Buy it on Blu-ray. Watch it on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I, sure. Uh, right it's, sure. It's it really is a new classic. I, yeah, I yeah, and I I agree. You go see it immediately, especially if you're if you're a horror fan or you like having fun. With, if you like having movies that have a little more to say than just being very generic, this is certainly a movie to go catch. And yeah, it's just for, for gore hounds, yeah. even still, fun. there's so many different people that could like enjoy this movie for different reasons. But yeah, for definitely fun movie. Glad that it wasn't in 3D, by the way. I know there was talk of converting it for a while. Really and I heard it. That would have been kind of like, especially because it's very murky at times. It would have been yes. murkier to watch if it was. And yeah, a few minor quibbles aside that I'll get to in the spoilery area. Yeah, I just absolutely love this movie and it's sitting there in my top three so yeah, far this it's year it's definitely so. a movie that i Ooh. just said this earlier but it's definitely a movie that it warrants a second viewing you really oh yeah need, for sure and i was gonna go see it again today but i just got caught up in doing stuff but it's just you definitely should go see this again yeah, and i'm very glad that joss whedon has at least one movie so far that's fantastic this year so. <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's uh we'll go we'll we'll get back to cabin in the woods later on but let's uh, talk about box office a little bit this weekend last week we tried to predict what we thought would be in first place and what how much money it would make because we'd figured cabin in the woods and lockout had no chance of being in first place we were all right Woo-hoo! of course but Abe, what, what did you what did you uh, predict? i think i said 30 we also we also yeah, have hunger games, games also, i think i said 31 is that right you said 30. 30 okay uh alan said 28 what? uh and I said 27. Pretend, pretend like Abe doesn't know how fourth weekend first place. No, yeah, work, I, so. I, was, I, th- I didn't think it was going to trail off that much. Yeah, so so you basically all thought it was going to drop by like nothing. Kind of. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> no, no, I'm just yeah. fair enough. Okay, so with that said, uh, Scott, why don't you go into the box office for us this week? Hunger Games was number one again with uh, 20 million dollars. It was a drop by about 35 percent. 21 million dollars, fourth weekend in a row, which. The ranking is really immaterial, in my opinion. Yes, it's been number one four weeks in a row because there hasn't been that much competition. 
and it opened so high that you know its decent drops have been enough to keep it above. It will be number two or three next weekend. Something will beat it, whether it's Talk Like a Man, The Lucky One, probably not Chimpanzee. What will and beat the, it? Wait, that's a good question, though. What will beat it next uh, week? The luck, probably The Lucky One. Yeah, yeah. Nicholas Park. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what's, it, what's it called? Uh, 18 again, or going 17, and what was the name of that one with Zac Efron? Where he 17 again, it? yeah. Thank you. Uh, that would, you know, it made $25, million, you know, three years ago. So when he's a commercial vehicle, he actually does have draw. Anyway, beside the point, none of the three openers were going to do that well. I'm actually pleasantly surprised by how well the Three Stooges did. It opened with about $17 million for Fox. Now, the Farley Brothers film cost about 30 so it's going to, you know, even if it if it drops out a little bit and ends up under 50 it's still going to be pretty profitable because this is Fox. So with Fox overseas, it could do $100 million overseas for no particular reason whatsoever. Um, I don't know why, but Fox has an incredible overseas marketing department. I mean, films that, you know, nobody cares about, like In Time, did $40 million a year, did like $100 million overseas. Jesus. Yeah, it, it, they can do that. Mr. Popper's Penguins did like 40, 60 million a year, did like 100 and change what? overseas. So yeah, that, that could very well be the case here. It's the Farley Brothers' third biggest opening weekend in history, behind Me, Myself, and Irene and Al, Shallow Al. It's their biggest opening weekend in 10 years, uh, actually 10 and a half years. Um, it's probably going to be the first film to cross 50 million in 10 and a half years. Excuse me, yes, since Shallow Al. The reviews were lousy, the previews were terrible, but kids went. You know, it was it was a you know harmless PG rated diversion for the kids. Uh, it had a pretty decent three multiplier. Uh, word of mouth was mixed, but there were a lot of critics that saw the film on opening day that were surprised by how well they how much they liked it. Uh, Dave Pollan gave it a positive review. Devin Ferrusi of uh, Badass Digest, Drew McQueenie gave it a positive review, and it was a case of gee, this movie isn't that bad. Uh, I'm probably not going to see it anytime soon. Three Stooges isn't my thing, but what have you? I completely, um, you know, I completely agree with that. Actually, I'm not a, I'm not a Three Stooges guy. I never really have been. Not even when I was like younger. I just don't care for whatever reason. But it's not surprising that the movie's probably not that bad. Because honestly, yeah. I, I like the Fairly Brothers, and I think if I had to guess, I would say it's probably because the movie has a level amount of heart to it. Because that's what Fairly Brothers movies tend to do. Despite being very raunchy comedies at times, they all have a level of of heart and sweetness to them that tends to make them very likable. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cabin in the Woods did $14.5 million. Not bad. It's an R-rated film with with a plot that you really can't give away without giving it away. So you have a trailer that makes it look kind of like a generic horror film. And the thing that surprised me is that it got terrible cinema score pulling for you know however much faith you put in cinema score, and that's debatable. It got a C overall. got a D-plus from women, hmm. which... I don't want to make any cheap jokes here, but come on, people. Interesting. Uh, horror is a genre that everybody says they want something original and interesting and scary, but they don't flock to those films. You know, uh, they say they want Jennifer's Body. They say they want, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Sam Raimi, Drag Me to Hell. Drag Me to Hell. But when those movies come out, they don't make a lot of money. Friday the 13th remake makes a lot of money. And ironically, again, that's kind of what Kevin in the Woods is about, you know, thematically speaking. But we'll get into that later. It's a it's a decent opening. It might have legs. It did an it did a two point seven weekend multiplier, which is pretty decent for a horror film. Not too much to say about there. It's a cheap film. It's gonna be a cult film forever and ever and ever. I wish they had done better. You know, arguably, if they spoiled more of the movie, maybe it would have done better because it would have looked more interesting and it perhaps would have gone. To, you know, it would have attracted the audience that was more interested in it in the first place. But. The, the fact that the film got a wide release at all is a victory. 
Yeah. So I'm not. This is a case where I really don't care about the box office. It's really you decent know? numbers right. too. I mean, fourteen yeah, it million is nothing to scoff yeah. at for an R-rated movie with no yeah. stars. Besides, yeah. I mean, Hemsworth's not a big name yet. It's just like. Well, he's, he's Thor. He's not. No one knows Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. They know Thor. They don't know who Chris Hemsworth is. You could argue that perhaps Lionsgate should have waited a couple months so they could have capitalized on the Avengers. But you know that's Monday morning quarterbacking. Hmm. You know that it's you don't know. You know hindsight's twenty twenty. Lockout bombed, but it was gonna bomb. It did six and a half million dollars, six point two, I think. Uh it was a film that was sold as, hey, here's a cheesy throwback to those movies you used to love watching on video, which is great, but. You know, movie tickets are 15 bucks, you know, 10 to 15 bucks a pop for at night. You know, if you're a an adult that used to love those movies, you know, and you're not a movie nerd, you're just a general audience member, you're not going to spend babysitter money and ticket money to see something that reminds you of something you used to watch, you know, for a you know, Saturday night rental for almost yeah. nothing when you were a teenager. Right. You know, it, it's a snakes on a plane problem. You cannot advertise a film as being intentionally cheesy, intentionally bad, and expect general audiences to shell out money. That's a great point. Um, well, I've been making it for years <laughs> because you know there've been a, you know when you again when you advertise a film as being intentionally cheesy, the market for people that want to see intentionally bad movies or intentionally cheesy films is pretty small. Mm-hmm. You know that's not that's not a mainstream audience. You know it, it's it's me. Would you, would you, <laughs> you know, well, no, you know exactly it's me. I went you know I eagerly pursued a press screening of this film, and if I hadn't gotten one, I would have seen it you know Friday morning before or after work, but. That's not the general audience. The people that, that watch Mystery Science Theater 3000, would you have paid 10 bucks to see that in the theater? Probably, Probably not. not. I mean, it's free on PBS. And that's, you know, and, you know, the, that's why the film was doomed. Cost $20 million. It'll probably do that, give or take. It'll rent forever. It'll play on FX to the end of time. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. Uh, as far as Hunger Games, it's done, you know, 336. It's already surpassed Spider-Man 3, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, it's now outpacing weekend to weekend Harry Potter 8 all the Twilight movies uh, Transformers 2, Transformers it's already out, it's going to outgross Transformers 3 by next weekend probably it's looking like it's going to do close to 400 I don't think it will get there I think it will start losing screens when summer starts up, you know, but the next two weeks have very, you know the next two weeks, including this weekend so three weeks, have a bunch of B movies there are no A pictures until the Avengers so it can make as much money as it can. It'll probably do about 13 million next weekend. Probably do about you know eight million the weekend after that, and then it loses screens like wildfire for summer. Um, but still, for in a quote unquote original film based on a novel that's not a sequel, it's not a brand name. This is a phenomenal performance, incredible performance, and I think it's going to be the second highest grossing film of the year. Uh, I think the only film that has any shot in hell of beating it is The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, I think Avengers is going to top out at two, three twenty-five, three fifty. I think uh, you know nothing else really in summer has really a chance of catching up to it other than Batman, and the really the only film that comes out in the fall that has any chance is The Hobbit, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think that time has passed. I think the Lord of the Rings films were lightning in a bottle, and whatever. I don't want to ramble on too long. Yeah, Scott actually put up a pretty interesting article about what movies have uh, legitimate competition against uh, the uh, Hunger Games in terms of total box office besides Dark Knight, essentially. So I'll probably I'll put a link to that in the show notes, Scott. Actually, I found that a pretty interesting article. Thank you. Yeah, and um, just to, to add on to that, I have no idea what Spider Man's going to make, but that if I had to bet on any movie, 
I I would almost that's kind of my that's kind of my sleep. I have a feel. I have a feeling that with like uh, Avengers, Spider-Man, and Dark Knight coming out, I think Dark Knight will obviously be the best of those movies. But I feel like I feel like Spider-Man's gonna maybe be like the sleeper hit of the summer because even though it's a big release that comes out on July Fourth weekend, I still don't think that people are necessarily anticipating it as much as they might want to be. And I have a feeling that it, I I I want to have like a hunch that it's gonna actually be surprisingly very successful and very well liked. I'm that crowd that like you're talking it. about actually. I know, but I'm, I'm I'm thinking in this like weird world where it actually turns out to be a really enjoyable movie yeah. that people actually end up really liking. I you know aside from my misgivings about the you know the the whole reboot it five years later on principle, yeah. which I think is really really bad and dangerous. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty good. Having said that, it has three weeks to make whatever it can till it's ancient history. Till Dark Knight comes away. Yeah, it's got you know. So it's got 17 days and then it's over. I think it's, yeah, I think it's going to have to come down to the strength of the movie. And I'm hoping yeah. that the movie is very good that people will be um, like, well, Dark Knight's out also. And it's also really good, but I really like the Spider-Man movie. So we should go see yeah. that again. Yeah. But that, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> that's kind of, that's my weird theory that I have that I think Spider-Man's actually going to be much better than people are thinking it's going to be. So. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, and I put at the end of this article and, you know, you and I, we're all talking about this now. We're discussing the biggest movies of the year. We're like, well... Maybe it might only do 325 million, but maybe if it's really good, it'll catch on. Maybe it'll do 375, as if one is a success and one is a failure. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't think anyone will be upset with 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 Spider-Man. Anything over 250 is a massive win, in my opinion. Allegedly, it was cheaper than the sequels. Yeah. And you know, there is a big contingency of like, oh, I just saw this five years ago. Or I just saw this 10 years ago. You know, I remember when the first Spider-Man came out. That was exciting. This is just, oh, okay, they're doing that again. Yeah, um, so there's, there's definitely a lot of you know cons against it. So I'm definitely curious to see how it turns out. But I'm still you, kind you, of... You just can't pop your Spider-Man cherry twice. Yeah, but I'm still hoping that <laughs> something happens where... It, God. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that it turns... Because I, you know... I think it okay. This could be this can go too far, but I think of it because I, I I know I'll enjoy Avengers, but I don't know I don't know if it's going to be an amazing movie necessarily. But I feel like Spider Man. Well, the amazing Spider Man will be amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so, we'll we'll see. I guess Abe, you can edit that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's it's. I I I wonder about how deep thematically rich the Avengers is going to be. Because it seems like every interview Josh Whedon gives, he's talking about all the cool all the character driven scenes he's cutting out. Yeah, really, and that really worries me. Yeah, no, um, no, no, so yeah. Pe- no Peggy Carter scene. Yeah, like oh, that's the kind of scene I want to see in the movie, right there. Yeah, um, I, I watched all the event. I watched them all last yesterday and Thor today in a marathon in chronological order. Actually, very, yeah. li- very literally chronological order. We watched like all of Captain America up to the last ten minutes. <laughs> then, then we put on Iron Man. Then we put on Iron Man two for halfway. Then we put on Incredible Hulk. No, Incredible Hulk for halfway. Then Iron Man to then the rest of Incredible Hulk up until the last five minutes. It's like we went very literal on the chronological Did you do work. like a graph before you started that? We we, we, we made out a, a plan of how to do it properly. <laughs> and I really, we should have put in Thor at the beginning of that movie for like the first five minutes. <laughs> but yeah, we had a lot of fun. <laughs> Thousands but, of years ago, yes. blah, blah, blah. I, I hope there's some weird fan edit one day that's like nine hours long. <laughs> all these I'm sure. Th- I'm sure there will be. But no, I, I, you're right. I think there's a potential that Spider-Man, if only because it's focusing on a single hero, will be a more emotionally compelling picture. Yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm curious to see that's gonna play out. So, 
Okay, let's uh, let's move on to what we're gonna talk about next week. We're we're gonna forego games this week, obviously, because we're gonna do spoiler talk. It's gonna add on to some time, and you know, we just want to move on with things. So let's get to what we're gonna talk about next week. Even I have no idea what we're gonna talk about next week. Chimpanzee, chimpanzee, (laughs) chimpanzee. We are right now. We are kind of coming up with ideas. We'll. Well, we have our Twitter so and our Facebook page, so we'll you know try to alert people, I guess, via that way once we decide on something. But for now, we know we don't know what we're necessarily going to talk about because I'm going to be gone on the next weekend, and so we're going to have to record something early. So we'll we'll piece together something, I guess. We'll figure, figure it out. It'll figure be something fun, out. Though. Yeah. So we'll see. So um, with that said, let's uh, <laughs> let's try to predict some box office or something. So whatever we're gonna we're figure we'll figure it out. We'll put it on the Facebook page and Twitter and sort things out. I guess or something in some capacity. But for now, let's uh, do some kind of box office and let's just do the same thing we did last week and guess what we think is gonna get in first place and by how much. So okay. With that said, uh, next week, yeah, Hunger Games is still out. It's been number one for four weeks in a row. But then you have Chimpanzee opens. The Lucky One, the new Nicholas Sparks movie, opens with uh, Zac Efron and um, Think Like a Man. That's the Steve Harvey adaptation. But like yeah, you wrote yeah, a book, right? Yeah. That's the best. Adaptation. It's a it's a it's an African American led. Why do I say that? I'm black. It's a black led <laughs> movie. <laughs> it's a black lead movie with that's not involved that doesn't involve Tyler Perry. So there's something. And, yeah. So, yeah. With all that said, I guess we can try to go into it. I, I'll. It's Scott, like Valentine's Day, but the black people get to have sex. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, what do you think is gonna get first place next week? Um, I think uh, the lucky one will do about twenty million bucks, give or take. Yeah. Um, I think it's gonna be number one just by default, and there are gonna be a bunch of you know dumb articles screaming, "Oh my God, Hunger Games dethroned by the lucky one!" You know, <laughs> women fled Katniss into the arms of Zac Efron. It's math, people. You know, the Hunger Games have been dropping 40 percent every weekend. You know, it's gonna do about thirteen million. That's not gonna be enough for number one. It's as simple yeah. as that. I think think like a man could do about fifteen million. Uh, again, because there hasn't been a a quote unquote black movie ensemble romantic comedy like this in oh what late 90s true (laughs) Uh, soul food um i think unfortunately once tyler perry came on the scene the studio sort of said okay that niche is taken care of we're not going to make those movies anymore but still i I, yeah i think it's gonna do about you know 15 million bucks give or take and then i think hunger games gonna do about 13 and chimpanzee is gonna do about six and if history is any indication it will do about three and a half of that on opening day a little known fact uh, African Cats, which opened this time last year, had the worst weekend multiplier in history. It it did well over half of its money uh, on the first day of its three-day weekend. I like how chimpanzees competing with 2D Arctic. Does Disney Nature and Warner Brothers are competing for nature documentaries on Earth Day? <laughs> Two nature documentaries enter. One nature documentary leaves. Um, yeah, I'll say Lucky One goes in with like 18 million next weekend. That's, yeah. yeah, I mean, I say Lucky One. Um, Scott, you said around 20 ish? 20 yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll say, I'll say 21. Okay. <laughs> oh. Rats. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, there's our big box off predictions. Um, yeah, as I said, we're going to forego games, and I'm just going to kind of wrap it up right now, just so we, for people that don't want to listen on until after they see Cabin in the Woods, or if they just have no intention of seeing Cabin in the Woods for whatever reason, uh, we'll just kind of wrap up the show right here, just say... Rose uh, with the sled! Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Um, yeah, it, this this has been out now, Fair and Name. You can find more of my work at my personal blog site, thecodezeek.com. You can find all my written reviews there, as well as at ysoblue.com for the Blu-ray reviews. And, of course, you can follow me at Twitter at twitter.com slash Aaron's PS3. And you can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com, two animals, walrusmoose.blogspot.com, and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. And Scott? Uh, you can follow all of my work at Mendelssohn's Memos, scottallenmendelssohn.blogspot.com. I syndicate with Valley Scene Magazine, Open Salon, and Huffington Post slash Movie Phone. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook. If you're on Facebook, I finally made a uh, Mendelssohn's Memos page for Facebook. Please like it. I'm emotionally needy. Please <laughs> like it. And uh, great, yeah. Um, you can find all the episodes about now with Aaron and Abe at iTunes, of course, at hhwlod.com. You can find our show there, as long with all the other great shows about comics and movies and games and stuff. It's a bunch of other good, cool guys also, and they have nice, fun shows to listen to. Also, outnow.podomatic.com. You can find all the latest episodes there, as well as some exclusives. And of course, email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. We're going to detail, as I said, a Cabin to the Woods contest coming up, and it's going to be the way to enter is going to be via email outnowpodcast at gmail.com, where you can also, of course, write in about how Abe is so wrong about Scream 4 even a year later after we did that episode. And, That's of course, compliment Scott on <laughs> just in general. And, yeah, uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, and our Twitter page, twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. You can follow us there and like our page. All the episodes and updates and whatnot are you know posted on both of those so, yeah, um, we're going to move on now to Cabin Wood spoilers, but until next time for those that are leaving, so long. And goodbye. Farewell. Dark shadows moving in the woods, and I have no doubt that whatever I have resurrected through this book is sure to come calling for me. Legend has it that it was written by the Dark One, Necronomicon Ex Mortis, roughly translated, Book of the Dead. Surrounded by evil with the zombies, you see me bombing on. I'm resurrecting the dead with the Necronomicon, trapped in the woods, reading the Book of the Dead. They turned my bitch into a killer, so I took out a head. Uh, I had my dead homie tied to a chair. I pistol whipped him in the head and had his blood redying his hair. And now the evil dead spread to my hand. So I cut it off and put on a chainsaw at the end. Now I'm locked in the room and found myself the only mortal. So I kicked in the door and opened up a new portal. I fell from the sky and found myself in some new with a 12-gauge double barrel sawed off boomstick. Inhaling the stench of the dead bodies and carcass. They call me Yash and I'm fighting the army of darkness. I took the chainsaw and put it to the heathen's head. That's how it is when you're f***ing with the This is my boomstick. And we're back, Woo-hoo! right? We, it's like we were gone, but now we're back again. And we're going to talk about Cabin of the Woods a little more in depth. Basically, the wood is actually the woods are actually the fathers to all the children. <laughs> wow! Um, it's so Final Fantasy, the spirits beneath. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so before we get into more Cabin of the Woods talk, and I'm looking forward to it, I'm going to detail this contest that I thought of. So as I said, I have a large Cabin of the Woods T-shirt. 
and uh, I'm going to throw in a copy of Evil Dead 2 on Blu-ray because that just makes sense to me. So those two things can be yours if you can do something. You're going to have to email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com, and it's going to be – you just have to kind of write a few sentences, maybe a paragraph about what – for those that have seen Cabin of the Woods, obviously, too, I guess this kind of applies. What kind of uh, – what kind of scary monster thing do you want to like see what that would be that would you know i like the question that uh, that was asked to scott like what terrifies him what like what kind of horror movie thing scares you what if there's like an example you have in mind if there's some specific story some specific movie you can think of write in about that if you can uh you know if you find some time write a few sentences really i'd like to read those i think uh, it'd be yeah, really like fun yeah, we just like to read them in general. That'd be cool. And it's not. I'm not going to base it off who does it first this time. I'm just going to base it off which one I like. <laughs> so which one? Oh <laughs> well, no! I mean, it'll be. It'll just kind of be up to yeah. our discretion of which one. Abe and I will. We'll kind of run through them and see which ones we kind of like. Oh, that's a pretty cool story, and we'll we'll choose based off that. So yeah, it's not it's not a speed round. You don't have to be the first to enter this contest this time around like the past. And um, yeah, so you know. Contribute a little time that way. It's 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 supposed to be fun. That's the idea of it. And you know you you could win a prize. If not, you could you know you still get to share a humorous story or something. Some some neat anecdote with us about horror movies in general of what kind what kind of horror movies scares you or what kind of creature you like. Some some like cool. So I hope I hope that's clear enough. <laughs> I think it is. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll cover it again at the end. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if that's it, let's get into more Cabin of the Woods talk. Um, okay. So. The cat's out of the bag at this point. The the teenager, the, sorry, the, the college kids are being monitored the whole time by a separate. What? Or, <laughs> I know, right? A separate organization that is monitoring everything going on in the cabins and manipulating on the environment to basically get them to do everything that's required to of them to do in a movie right. like this. And um, okay, so Abe, you you had something yeah, you wanted to bring up, had, right? Like, uh, I, I think that this film was. Um... It spoke about a lot of different things, and I think one of the, the the first thing I thought of obviously was the horror genre, right? Um, the horror genre is very cliche. It's very it's been done. People expect a certain formula, and that's exactly what makes people like Scott. You alluded to this in the other or in the in the regular show. Just people go to the theater for that aspect of it. They don't go because oh she's a very strong woman now, and you know whatever else. Um, people go because there's like a dumb blonde, there's like a, the smart girl, there's a smart guy, you know what I mean? And people go see that. And I think that that's uh, something that they made fun of a lot. And I really appreciate that. The second thing um, that I thought of was, why did Josh Reedon make this movie? Um, and I think particularly there was uh, the scenes of like the Japanese horror stuff. And as funny as that was, I think one of the, the things I took away from that is, I think um, that uh, American society in general... We like to see, in horror films especially, we like to see nobody really making it. And I think that we, we, we relish horror to the degree of we want to see people die. And I think that that's a larger topic. And the last thing I thought of was, I wondered what, you know, the characters of Richard Jenkins and um, Bradley, Bradley were, what their roles were. And I was thinking, I wonder if that's a play on how the media constructs things for audiences uh, yeah, or studios, and then we tend to believe it. We tend to think those things as we take it as um, you know literal and the truth, even though we don't do our own research or we don't read our own things and make our own conclusions. So those are the large three topics that I, I thought of when for this movie. I mean, aside from the fact that all this stuff is 
terrific. All the graphics, all the kill scenes, like those are really scary. But you know, those are some of the larger topics that I thought of, and we can delve more into it later. Okay, so um, before I let Scott go and have some things to say about what I'm sure he has some things to say about things that you just brought up, I just want to say that I also wanted to see more Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford dancing to music <laughs> inside the, the their control center, <laughs> especially Richard Jenkins. But uh, <laughs> that that's that's my joke that I had. But yeah, no, I, I find all those aspects actually very interesting, Abe, and certainly the idea of having these two guys. Jenkins character and Woodford, who are great in this movie. They have such great chemistry in this movie together and just the way they kind of handle things. Watching them play these people who are like Hunger Games, they're like the game makers. They're, as they kind of do everything that they need to to make this, make what what the Ancient Ones are apparently watching feel like some generic Cabin in the Woods horror film. I like seeing the the extent that they go to and like how they react to the situation. They're basically numb to what's going on with these people when it comes to them actually being slaughtered mm. and just how involved they are when it comes to the little details of <laughs> making like Chris Hemsworth suddenly go from we should we should stay together to we should go apart. Just all these little like these knobs and dials that they're all like, having to rush to and get to in time to make sure everything functions just as planned. I found all that stuff just fascinating yeah. to watch. But uh, Scott, do you have anything to say for that? Uh, yes, yes. Actually, leading to what you were talking about, the whole, you know, leading the way or whatever. Something that came to mind, and I, I mentioned this briefly in my write-up, this is, it's something that I, I put on my mind. It sort of played into the whole, one of the reasons why I don't watch a lot of episodic television anymore, you know, mythological stuff like Lost or 24 and the various, you know, places you know the shows that have tried to capitalize that in the last several years is i guess i don't find it particularly interesting the idea that we're supposed to be astonished when a fictional character you know when a writer makes the choice for a wholly fictional character that's under their complete control to act in a way or to engage in an action or to meet in a fate that is quote unquote shopping surprising astounding when really it was just a writer sitting there making the choice for you know this person to die or this person to do something horrible and you know I, I kind of felt the film intentionally or not played into that with the idea that these characters are only acting in ways that surprise us because a writer sat there and typed it in if you look at it from that way does that make the plot twist less shocking or surprising or impressive because really, they're fictional characters. They can do what you know, you know. As as the characters say several times, you know, they're puppets. We can make them dance however right. we want. You know, to what ex- to what extent should we really be getting excitement into how some other person makes those puppets dance? When really, it's completely up to their control. You know, that the, there is no in a fictional world, there is no free will because it's somebody sitting at a keyboard. And I felt intentionally or not, the film kind of touched upon that. It also touched upon, you know, I think the sort of the anger that perhaps uh, Whedon and and Goddard, 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 um, you know, sort of felt at the studio system and the audiences overall that constantly reach up from the ground and smack down original ideas, which is, you know, which I think is the point of the heavily symbolic final shot, where you literally have characters that are trying to go against the rules and do things that are outside the box 
and the giant hand from, you know, under the ground, which I think to a certain extent represents the audiences that rejected this movie just this weekend, you know, to literally just smack it down. It's like, no, we, we want the tried and true. We want the conventional. We want the cliche. Um, and I think even more so than Inception, which was arguably arguing for a more original, more engaging blockbuster, you know, why don't you dream a little bigger? The Cabin in the Woods was sort of, you know, a, an angry protest against the generic, especially in the horror genre. And I think that's, you know, personify, you have this entire whiteboard of possible <laughs> movie monsters, and they select, you know, the, the redneck zombies. Right. And I, you know, I, I imagine everybody's, you know, especially if you're a fan, everybody's heart in the theater just sank when the zombies are picked. Like, oh, come on, really? There's a, you know, there's a, you know, merman there. <laughs> There's 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 angry tree rape. There's yeah. uh, there's a lot of them. seeing it the second time. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That whole sequence unicorn is a, as well. That yeah. unicorn. That whole sequence is amazing. And when you look like after, when you see that like because they go into the cellar and they pick out essentially Dana is the one that picks yeah. out the the magic thing that the magic uh, book the magic book that which triggers they read Dana. out loud in yeah. Latin again. But when you look at that scene, there are so many like things yeah. down there that they could yeah. have chosen that makes it like so hilarious and how like basically Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard like completely thought out like every possible situation. Like, there's just you can see like the horror geekness of them beyond the old beyond like their like thoughts of we, we need to do something about horror movies in general. Like just the idea of making this movie version of a thesis about the state of horror movies seeing just the fun that they're having and exploring how they could pull off like these various different things that can come out of like the come out of the ground i loved seeing it i love seeing like this the merman with the conch shell the like i was just i was curious, so curious as to what like the film strip that the one guy was holding yeah. was gonna what, what that would have turned into I was I just like I just like seeing all these different objects of all these different like tropes of horror movies what triggers crazy monsters to happen and then we get to the very the third act where you actually get to see all these crazy yeah. horror monsters that happen. Was satisfying. What a wonderful thing. Exactly. It's a, I, and that's what it was. It was it was so and I think that's what makes the reveal of the rednecks, you know, so important that all oh, were de you know, depressed for lack of a better word. And I'll be honest, I, I like the, the the first act. The second act, I, I, I found myself the second act of more admiring the intelligence of the picture than outwardly being entertained by it. Because the second act really is going through the genre yeah. tropes. Yeah. You know, of that, you know, five kids go into the woods, get butchered by a bunch of illabillies. And then, you know, the second they get into the elevator and my just heart just lifted. Because again, it was, it was such a rare example of actually delivering on a promise yeah yeah so. you know you're thinking oh this is a low budget horror film you know they're not really going to show you all this stuff because they can't afford to or they, they 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 you know they can't find a logical way to do so and then of course you know that third act shot where they pan out and you see the boxes hey it's terrifying it's cube yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, was, I was actually, yeah, that, see, those, that's the, the moment that just scared the crap out of me, frankly. Those moments when you were first, when the elevator's shifting around to different yes. boxes, I would say that's when I was actually yeah. scared in the yeah. movie because yes. I had no idea where it was going, especially the first, what's the, the first, first one? one? The wolf thing, the wolf thing yeah. comes out, and then like the crazy, like the pinhead wannabe yeah. thing guy yeah. comes out, and the ghost thing happens, and it's just like this movie. There and then yeah, it pans out. And I honestly thought the movie could have ended there. I thought it was yeah, I almost thought I, it was I going to end there. I was, like, I, I, I was I'd be kind of be kind of disappointed. But I was like, oh shit, these guys are trapped in some crazy yeah. situation that they had encountered. I think that the, one of the best things about it is that 
I thought that it was going to end with just, I think her name is Dana, where she's just going to get uh, killed by like the zombie dude, right? Um, and then the red fing- the red phone rings. And that's when my, my interest was like, whoa, w- what's going on here? And it really goes so deep into it that it leaves you so satisfied. I can't describe how satisfying it was just to see like, there are so many elements of horror here that you just are like, whoa, this is fantastic. Like if I'm glad that they didn't write about every one of them, but it's just more of horror is such a genre where, where the imagination really goes wild. Like you, whatever you imagine to be scary or whatever is there. And it's just cool how they incorporated that into this film and how there's so much bloodlust in it that it's like it's ridiculous. <laughs> Including from unicorns. <laughs> we yes. Everybody laughed, but at the same time, we we're and like the worst part was the clown. That's where he's just like the security guard, yeah, like yeah, the clown, that, clown that, okay, and he's that? just continuing to come for it. And I was just, I was like, no. And the merman. <laughs> Poetic oh justice. What a great payoff. The, the merman. See, that was the part where I was like, that was that seemed entirely predictable to me, but at that same time, I was like, that is one ugly merman. <laughs> that is yeah. the most horrific looking thing. And then like the blowhole of it. Oh my god, yeah. it's so nasty. Um, it's so rare to see a movie deliver on promise. Yeah, for like a, for being the budget though, it's like thirty million maybe. Like it's maybe it has a has a it have, it looks really good for having all these different creatures coming out and blending into this world. Like it's not, you know, am- it's like it's a, it's not amazing, but it's like it looks really good. Like you have a giant cobra in this yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that tarantula. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's some nasty bug things in here. Uh, of course, zombie violence is always fun. Yes, yeah. but um. And, you know, I, I was mentioning, you know, when you asked me early in the show, what terrifies me, you know, the idea of some horrifying monster standing behind me and not, not knowing yeah. it's there. And that's the third act right there. I mean, just one gigantic, horrifying beast after yeah. another. I, I think that uh, what, what made me think of that question was because I was thinking uh, in that third act, what what scares me the most? And the thing that scared me the most were those, uh, it's kind of like those Clockwork Orange guys where they're, they're actual humans or they're just normal, the they're just people but are really fucking crazy. The guy yeah, the guys in the like which, strangers. Yeah, which, which later yeah. you see them tying up people and, and put pouring gasoline on people. Yeah, gasoline And then on. the other thing that scared me a lot was like <laughs> the guy who was strangling the other guy with like a bag on his head. And I was like, those things yeah. scare me the most because those are like people that are just really there's something wrong in their head and they're just really crazy. They're, there's nothing monstrous about them. They're just really off, and those scare me the most. Yeah, that's that would be my answer to that question too of like the stranger the strangers actually is a movie that scares me that's a movie that like i haven't watched it again even though i own it because <laughs> i'm like i'm legitimately scared of watching that movie it's because, very good yeah it turned because home um, it's real yeah, it's like exactly. home invasion that's just like well, then don't watch criminal minds okay. <laughs> because in the world of criminal minds the leading cause of death is home invasion homicide and i think that almost, that almost comes down to why i love the first halloween so yeah, much too just because it, there's a, there, there's a there's a slight supernatural element to it, but it still feels very Ultimately, real at times. It's just a crazy brother, and it's just it really is terrifying. But I mean, like you know, getting back to the point of um, of yeah. uh, you know the the deconstructing of the horror films, I I you know it's really funny because you know they they're Chris Hemsworth says let's stay together as a group. We're gonna we're gonna do this and we're gonna be a group. And then to to some degree, you're like you finally some some uh some guy who has actually a a bit of sense about how to handle right, a situation right. like this. Yeah, he's got sense and he's it's got a practical plan. But then all of a sudden they need to change it to what we expect. And you know, the pheromone kicks in and he's like, No, we better split up. The 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 knockout gas that changes yeah, minds and about it's just like, specific situations. Yeah. But at, to that same degree, you're just thinking to yourself, that's exactly what is supposed to happen. They're supposed to split up. 
And it, it's kind of like, it, it kind of messes with you a little bit because you're thinking they shouldn't, but at the same time they do. But in horror films in general where they stick together, you tend to think this is not going to work out. They're, they're going to split up eventually. And, and so it's just, it plays with you in that sense. What were you thinking was going to happen when Chris Hemsworth tried to jump the gap in the in the motorcycle, the motocross bike? Did you were you completely aware that he was yes. going to slam into the force field? Yes. Scott, were you? I was into the movie enough that I had forgotten about that. See, so yeah, it was that, a surprise to me. I was, I, I honestly wasn't sure what was going to happen. I was like, wasn't I was kind of in the mode of like there was a force field there, but maybe he could. Ju-. I just I literally love the build up to yeah. it, where like <laughs> where he's saying like you gotta you gotta give it all you got, man. You know, you know what? I, I I stand corrected. What I thought was going to happen is that somehow or another he was just going to miss and plunge into the gorge. See that? Yeah, <laughs> that would like have been hilarious. Sim- I like Simpsons. That, that, you know, they you push a button and wind would turn out, or you know his bike would stall and he'd just fall to his death. Yeah. And that said, Chris Hemsworth is a lot of fun in this movie. Yes. I, yes. I like he has he has like when he I love how he turns into a jock too. Like because yeah, he's clearly like a smarter guy right. early on, but then when he gets to the cabin. All of a sudden, he has like yeah. Letterman jacket on. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he's like so stereotypical jockish. He's doing the beer. He's like, there's a scene where his girlfriend's like just dancing in front of a fireplace for all the other guys, and he's just like dancing along with her with like holding his beer and smiling in the background. It's just like he doesn't give a shit all of a sudden, and it's just really fun to see. The, and the same with like the girl with um with Jules, like how, and which is explained by the fact that apparently when she dyed her hair blonde, like that's where the intelligence yes. factor dipped her down to become more of a loser woman. Yeah, <laughs> like, dumb blonde character. Yeah, I like and like the um uh, the other guy Holden, like suddenly he like needed to yeah, glasses at points. And, <laughs> <laughs> he, like he was like a completely like buff, just like Chris Hemsworth is, and then he's like putting his, he's getting the books out of the library and like starting to go. Out. I just yeah, I loved how these characters just devolved into the characters that they're supposed to be playing. But then at the same time, like people like Dana and like Marty, the the stoner character, they emerge victorious for no real reason except that yeah. Marty has weed that made him immune to the effects of what's. Well, and those characters don't change yeah, because yeah. in most horror films, the final girl is a relatively blank slate. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I thought she was very good, and frankly, she was very attractive. If I may speak periodically. For sure. Um, <laughs> I like redheads. Uh, also, Amy Acker. I forgot how how attracted I was to her since Angel went off the air. Um, I like how this movie followed the Joss Whedon rule of anyone goes. So, yes. like, like people like what's his name? Um, the security guy inside the base, uh, Brian White's yeah, character. Yes. Um, he, 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 yeah, he's like an, he's like the military badass guy, and like Amy Acker, gonna... and like and uh, Richard Jenkins, of Brad, like all those characters, they die. They, it's just so inconsequential. Like Amy Acker just gets sucked in by a kraken, apparently yeah. at one point. Like there's just there's no rhyme or reason to the fact that these characters die. It's just it happens. It's Joss Whedon. It Joss Whedon wrote this. This happens. It's, you get the feeling that he couldn't bear to actually rip Amy Acker's shreds on screen. Because yeah, yeah. uh, you know they're friends. Like they worked together for yeah. years. Uh, and and Brian, right. what's like, the uh, I, they, they, I love that they set him up as the sort of the minority character who has a conscience that might intervene at the end. <laughs> yes. And then, no, he just gets killed like everybody else. Before, like, you know, blowing everybody up. But, I mean, his character, he brings he has yeah. a really interesting question that he poses to to uh, Bradley Whitford, which is like, uh, you know, the first person dies. Um, and he's just like, shouldn't shouldn't this be shouldn't this bother you or something like that? And he's just like, no, you get used to it. And I think that that's, that's the second point of the making. It was just like, to some degree... We we like this kind of bloodlust. We we like seeing people die on the screen for movie sake. We don't we don't like it. We yeah, love it. We very love much it. so. We have we have we have we have seven Saw movies. Yeah, we love and it. it's just like you know I think to some degree Joss Whedon saying like you know 
I don't, why do why do people love violence in movies but we hate it in reality or something? We we feel that like atrocities uh, across the globe are are so you know terrible. But we love seeing people die horrific deaths in movies. And I don't I don't really know. I mean I think that we're just to the fact that uh, that we're desensitized to it, and also maybe we just we just have come to expect it so much that we just don't really care about it, or we don't we don't see it as anything beyond a movie. I think that's something that he kind of wants to bring up, but it's tough to say. Honestly, I had a thought, but I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I think you're right. I also think the film works as sort of a parable for horror films serving a social good, and that they are a healthy outlet for for fantasy. For sure. I don't want to say period because that's sexual, although. Arguably, the enjoyment of violence in a horror film almost reaches a sexual level for any number of horror fans, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but no, it, it's I, I don't I don't think he I would argue that he doesn't really argue the yeah I think he does to a certain extent ask why we enjoy them and as I said earlier you know why you know what it means to be someone who can craft these scenarios right, right. even in a fictional you know setting. I'm sorry, I have a total no mind worries, blank. No I'm like, I mean, to, to pick up on that idea again, you know, the the example that I brought up earlier was like when they're competing with Japan, and Japan, it seems as though those Japanese horror films they do have that res- resolution at the end where they just, oh, you know, the the body just wants to go back to its final resting place, so we'll put it there, and that's the end of that ghost. That ghost becomes, you know, um, okay again. And American films, we don't like that. We we tend to think everyone's got to die. Every, every, like, well, I, I disagree in that I've never seen an Asian horror film with a happy ending. Yeah, they all tend to end with some kind Even of... Even more so than than American horror films. It wasn't really until the, the Japanese influence specifically, although Asian horror films in general, you know, The Ring and uh, The Grudge right. or whatever, followed by the, the Saw films with their cliffhanger endings that really saw sort of a nonstop blurge of, you know, where horror films... And this is something that's frankly bothered me for a while. A lot of horror films don't have an actual resolution. True. They yeah. just have an arbitrary point where the screen goes black. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously that reached the, the apex with the devil inside. Or literally they just stopped the film at a random interval. I can't wait to not see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. I just I know how it ends because yeah. I was curious. Spoilers. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're not missing much. No, okay. Um, here's a question. Uh, did it, did anyone find uh, Dana selfish at the end for not shooting Marty? You mean, uh, yes, but yes. for for wanting no. to shoot him or for no for not shooting Marty? Selfish and how so? Well, the world ends the because she doesn't kill this guy. Yeah, but I mean, she was going to until the Wolfman like tore her. She still could have killed him. He could have killed That's himself. That's true. Yeah. but I don't know. I, I felt that that was an interesting plot twist, which is. You know, I, I wasn't sure what to make at the end of the movie, like what they're what he was trying to say, but yeah, yeah, maybe I don't know. Well, I, <laughs> I, I think I would argue that the, the, the a it was an example of the film actually following through on its promise, which is you know one of the reasons we liked it as much as we did. Oh yeah. And on the other hand, you know, again, it was sort of a we're not going to go on the beaten path of this genre. Yeah. And as a result, everyone is killed. You know, the hand come. You know, again, literally, the hand comes up from the ground, and I would argue that hand is, you know, symbolizes, you know, horror film audiences in general, including the ones that apparently didn't like it this weekend. You know, smacking it down, saying, "No, don't do that." Yeah. I thought it was a prequel to Wrath of the Titans, <laughs> but. Uh... <laughs> um, well, I, yeah. See, I, I'm just, I'm asking a devil's advocate yeah, yeah. question, basically, but like, I, because I, I get what the movie's doing, but with that said thematically yes it makes sense and it's fun and all that but from a character standpoint yes. <laughs> from, i mean 
that's a really horrible decision that she just decided to be like, oh, whatever, world ends. Every everyone on the earth dies, but at least I preserve my friendship with Marty for another five seconds. And that's sort of, you know, as the film goes on and on, you know, the who the good guys and the bad guys are change. Yeah. You know, for the really the first half of the film, I would say we presume that the kids in the woods are the people we're supposed to be rooting for, and the people in in the lab are these, you know, for whatever reason they're doing this this controlled ex, I don't want to say experiment this controlled show, and you know, obviously we have our theories that oh it's a reality show it's some kind of scientific experiment. I was so relieved that it wasn't a reality show by the yes, way. Yes, <laughs> yes, I, I, uh, and there are enough clues or even early on that it's something more grand in scope which is very evident when you watch it again by the way i would imagine yeah but then you know as you know once you realize what's going on and you know the red phone is sort of the kicker yeah you realize oh these guys are trying to prevent you know you pretty much know by the time sigourney weaver gives this big speech what's going on you know she's sort of just filling in the blanks for you know yeah. the, the dumb people of the audience <laughs> you know there's no nice way to say that by the way, I, I guess Sigourney Weaver is just supposed to be like the be-all and all director of everything from yeah. now on. She's at the end of Paul. Also, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> she's just the secret commanding leader it's, of everything. You know, this she's, was this was shot before Avatar. She's the voice no, of Wally. <laughs> That's right. She wasn't Wally. That's funny because I, you know, I recognized her voice ten minutes before she showed up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I don't, you know, I don't know if we were supposed to be surprised by that or not. And so I think, you know, to a certain extent, the who we're supposed to be rooting for changes as we find out what's really going on. And on, one, on the other hand, we're asked to say, you know, what right do we have to willingly send these people to their deaths so we can live? And, you know, that gets into a huge moral question. That, you know, question. I mean, you know, we could get into, you know, what right do we have to kill Iraqis so Americans are safe or, you know, however you want to phrase that. But that's, that's been a question that, you know, nations and people of, you know, why are our lives more precious than theirs? And conversely, as you were saying, you know, at the end of the film, they basically make the decision that their lives, that the, their rights, their right to die, to not be murdered is more important than saving everybody else's life. I think um, if any quibbles I have with the movie, it's kind of... It, it's weird to think of it just because I think it, the movie works so well, but the, uh, weaving both like a the, uh, like a thematic kind of web of what's happening for it, along with a the movie has its own kind of internal logic, where you, but you don't exactly know everything involved. Like, how did they get all these creatures to begin with? That kind of stuff. Like, it's 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 why it's, there's one switch that opens all the doors. Right. Exactly. It's like what? It's like how do you how do you like judge these aspects? It's kind of like watching David Fincher's The Game and thinking, well, how do they how do they be able to manufacture all of these things in this game? So it it's like it's hard to it's hard to argue against those things going on just because you don't need those things. And in the moment, it works so well at making this movie entertaining. So it's like hard to like, you have to really nitpick to try and find flaws with the basic aspects of this movie. So it's like, you think they could stop the elevator? <laughs> stop the elevator? Like, uh, like how? Why are these kids chosen to be in the beginning? Like, what, yeah. how, how does all this play out? It doesn't matter really. And so it's like, that's so beyond me of like. There's no, I can't, I can't like knock the movie for these things. It doesn't matter. It's, it's because the film follows its own logic. It gets away with little plot rebels. And because it has fun doing so, yeah. and because the people you're following are fun to watch. Like it's yes. just, yeah. It's... You know, Bradley Whitford is just made for Joss Whedon dialogue. <laughs> Apparently, yes. And you know, all they all, everybody's good in the movie. You know, Amy Acker, obviously, she's done this before. Mm. You know, Richard Jenkins is obviously having a blast. You know, I'm sure he thought I'd never be in this kind of movie ever. <laughs> Friend of the show, Richard Jenkins. I met him. He's oh, cool. <laughs> I'm sure he is. 
um, especially you know uh, uh, you know glorified lead role in that kind of movie. Yeah, um, yeah, really. <laughs> and uh, you know, again, minor quibbles. You know, obviously the the workings of the office are more interesting than what's going on to the kids. Just because that's a whole new world that we have no idea. Right. You know, it's completely new to us. While you know, by definition, the stuff with the kids is very rote and generic. It's 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 a movie that's so good. It's exciting. It's exciting how good it is. For yes. sure, yeah. It's exciting why it's good. And you know, it's 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 you know when you get to see all of those monsters, and then when you get to see them push the button, and you know what that yeah. means. Yeah, I haven't seen. Oh my I, haven't, God. I haven't had as giddy of a smile as I did yeah. when I like when she pushes purge, and you know the elevator yeah. doors are all. For, oh. At first, I'm like, yeah. it's just one door gonna open, and all then they all open. Yeah. yeah, and it's just and all these things pop out. Monsters climb out. A tree emerges and grabs one guy. It's just all these the crazy snake, things. Yeah, happen. It, the know, snake the, happens. And there's so much like yeah. eye candy on all the monitors too. Like if if watch like all yeah, the, you yeah. just want to see everything. Yeah, there's like this really yeah. like all of us paid attention to this one part where like there's they're they're disemboweling some guy and then some zombie throws up in his mouth is is it's like it's crazy <laughs> like if you if you pay attention to all of it it's, there's so much fun in it at the same time it's also just like it's also really disturbing so it's, it's just yeah. it's just really fun and disturbing but it's just so clever like I, I really wish that that like yeah you 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 have to just see it and then if you even have like some inkling as to any horror movie that you've ever seen you will enjoy that third act a lot so here, here's a question. Yeah. Does the movie working the way it does as well as it does basically invalidate any future horror film? You see, that's funny you say that because I thought the same thing after seeing The Raid. And I know you saw The Raid and I was very happy yes. that you liked it because I think I, I could have seen you easily hating that movie or like. I, I liked it because I thought it was very intense. Yeah. I, I thought it was very scary almost. Yeah. Because, you know, these are, you know, I mean, The Raid, you could read my review of The Raid. I don't want to talk about The Raid. We're talking about Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. But I thought it worked at an emotional level as well as visceral. Okay. And so it's saying that just like watching Lockout this weekend after having seen The Raid, it's like, can I really take other action movies seriously right. knowing that like this that, that The Raid has such intense nonstop action that's so well filmed and puts you right in the moment? Am I able to get a, am I gonna be able to watch other horror movies because Cabin in the Woods does something so effectively at not necessarily not, it doesn't necessarily deconstruct the genre, it just it just it it um it it analyzes it, it in a different it. way and yeah. questions it and then provides its own fun spin on things. But honestly, I don't think it will. And yeah. it's because I like horror movies in general, and it's not a and it it's because of a lot. It's 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 a mix of sure I enjoy appre appreciating new new and in, inventive takes on horror genres. I loved Attack the Block last year as well as Drag Me to Hell a couple years before that, but. I also like seeing the standard horror movie. I like I'm that audience where I like going to see things where I know what to expect to be good, but I like to have fun with yeah. those familiar tropes and what have you. So it's a mix of I like this genre already, so I don't need I don't I don't need to question the logic of it because I already have an idea of what I'm getting into to begin with. So Yeah, I'm on that page too, which is I don't think that it would make it um, you know, as unappealing. I will say that Cop dramas for me, since I've seen The Wire now, that is, you know, like, <laughs> honestly, like, you know, like, in all the cop dramas on CBS or whatever, everyone's pulling a gun and pulling triggers. But in The in the Wire, I think there's only, like, like two gunfights. It's so, you know, it, it's different. It's a little bit more realistic. But for this, you know, as good and as clever as it is, I don't think it really changes the genre for horror that much. I think people will still be going to expect the same things and enjoying themselves. I think it's, everyone just goes to have a good time. 
the the most ironic bit was when Scream came out from Kevin Williamson, and then I know what you did last summer came out a couple years later from Kevin Williamson also, which is like the most by the numbers <laughs> generic movie possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like you know, it's just like the it's just like uh, the uh, the the Final Destination movies. You know, how many times can you go see the same plot? It's like everyone just wants to go see it because it's kind of fun, and they're expecting to see some clever ways for people to get killed off on the screen. You know, it's. Well, I think I think Scott and I could argue a whole thing about why the fifth one. I like the first one. I still like the. I still think the first one's the best because it's a real movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. 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 The fifth one is just a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it has one and it, frankly, it has one of the best cinematic death scenes I've ever seen in a film, period. Um, the gymnasium, the, right? Yes. The yeah. <laughs> it's 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 Hitchcock would be proud. Yeah. The way that's edited and shot and composed, um, but digression. So yeah, no, the uh, I yeah, I wouldn't say that as much as I appreciate Cabin in the Woods and I love it, and it'll probably be somewhere in, in a, at least a top fifteen list of the at the at the end of the year. I'm not going to say that it's about to change how I view other horror movies, just because that's not it needs it, it needs to be a much bigger game changer in my eyes to really set apart other movies for me, just because. It's yeah uh, yeah it, yeah it, yeah I wouldn't say I wouldn't say necessarily changed my view on what other horror movies should be. Although it does make me, it does make me hope that other, especially given that Cabin in the Woods has what like a ninety two on Rotten Tomatoes yeah, right yeah. now or something like that. Like it, it I I like and you know fourteen million again nothing to scoff at either. I I like to hope that this maybe coming <laughs> it's coming three years after it's been made. Maybe it does. Maybe it does something to inform the kind of movies that studios want to mass produce. But you never know. I mean, that's nuts. No, they'll just say, "Wow, this movie was successful. Let's remake Evil Dead." <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe you know. This goes back to the question of maybe uh, will they start doing more films like this, where it's like a smarty deconstruction thing for horror? I maybe I don't know. I mean, if they see how successful this is in the ratings and not so much in the box office, but. But even the yeah, and the cinema scores and stuff like that too. It's like hmm. yeah, maybe they'll be like, oh yeah, we've got to make more Scream, Cabin in the Woods type films. You know, it's like yeah, it'll, then, it, it'll have to yeah, it'll depend on the legs that it yeah. has. And then they're gonna start mocking it just like the way the scary movies started mocking Scream, and people will love that too. So I don't know. It, it's giant cycle of of exactly what Twenty One Jump Street, what what Nick Offerman said. They just can't come up with anything new. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's. Pare it down here. Any um, any movies to, to name since to our movie callback? Yeah, it, uh, Dark City. Uh, in that it's a you know a, a genre picture, which really never stops. Ex- you know, the storytelling revelations start at the very beginning and keep going right up to the, almost the very end of the picture. And I like that. That's that's rare in this day and age, where you know the film just just sort of doesn't stop telling its story after the third you know for the third act. I mean, there are you know, wonderful moments of revelation. Obviously, we've been talking about them for the last half hour. You know, right up to the end with uh, you know Cabin in the Woods. Right down to the last shot, for God's sakes. I yeah, I have uh, I have two in mind. Actually, a couple more, but I have two main ones. Uh, Funny Games. Have you seen Funny Games, Scott? Yes. Okay, that I think that has a that, that clues in pretty well with to an extent, but that's more commenting on the audience that's watching these kind of movies. Cabin in the Woods kind of does that. Funny Games takes that to the extreme, I would say. Yeah. Um, and The Descent actually came to mind. Yeah, and The Descent, yeah, and I find that that's kind of amusing because The Descent, I was thinking about that while I was watching the movie, but then there was the, uh, 
at my screening, the, the uh, star, Dana, uh, Kristen Connolly, she was there and she told, she was apparently, uh, Joss Whedon told her and the rest of the cast to watch The Descent. Like that was really heavily inspired this movie or some aspects of it. And it was, I found it ironic that I thought of that movie and that, that turned out to be one of the key inspirations because that that's a movie that it's a lot of, I think it's a lot of different horror movies in one and it packs it in. And I think Cabin in the Woods kind of functions that way as well in some degree. Like it, it packs in a lot of different kind of twists on how to, where to take the genre. Cause the, des- the descent starts out a very specific way. Then it makes a turn and then makes another turn, which is something Neil Marshall has done in his other movies too, like Doomsday. <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- those movies came to mind. Uh, New Nightmare also. <laughs> I, I, I like New Nightmare more than the oh, first yeah. Scream. <laughs> no. I like New Nightmare more than the first Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I w- yeah, I, I agree with that, actually. I don't, I'm not a big Nightmare on Elm Street fan, but yeah, I like that one Nightmare was, a lot. That one was pretty clever. Did Wes, Craven, did, did Wes Craven write Apparently. New Nightmare? Oh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. all him. That's all him. And, yeah, that's... God, I would... What happened? <laughs> oh, my God. Fucking, there are two Wes Cravens. My soul to sometimes take. Sometimes he makes my soul to take. Sometimes he makes Scream, Scream 2, New Nightmare. New Nightmare sometimes he makes Fat Bar- Brooklyn. Oh, sometimes God. he makes The Hills, you know, the uh, Nightmare on Elm yeah. Street. Last House on the Left, that's also a good one, too. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's just... No, it just it's it's either that or he's just a mediocre director that occasionally just catches lightning in a bottle. Yeah. George so. Lucas. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Different. Yeah. yeah. And actually, uh, Coen Brothers films came to mind, too, for Kevin. Interesting. Yeah. Like, uh, Barton Fink came to mind. It's like, where it's really, like, there's that, that weird element that makes you really think hard about, uh, What's, like, what yeah, is what is the meaning the, of it? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's good. I like that one a lot, actually. I'm still trying to figure out what Tom Lee Jones' speech is at the end of uh, No, no Country. Country. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what that alludes to. Uh, anyway. Any, any uh, I mean, like, yes and no. I mean, for the most part, I, mean, I thought of, like, simpler stuff, though. I mean, it's just, like, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, where they have all these collaborations of... You know, those are fr- those are fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah action I mean, movies those... and, like, the zombie genre. But there's also... for. More for I think we had a discussion maybe with Scott too, which for Shaun of the Dead, which is there's a little bit more social commentary going on in that one, maybe like less so than Hot Fuzz, but I mean you know the elements of they're they're kind of poking fun at, but also making very good films of these action movies or these zombie. Films. Yeah, they become entries into the genre themselves. Right. Yeah, and you know at the same time they're also um, uh, analyzing in in maybe different ways, but I thought of those and as well as. Um, I mean, yeah, like Scream and uh, New Nightmare. It's funny you bring up the, the Tom Lee Jones speech from No Country from Old Men, just because for me it was always about, and I've only seen the film once, so, you know, the whole, you know, the idea that he, the the world, you know, sort of an anti-Western. Most Westerns are about a, a rugged man who civilizes the world and then is no longer fit to live in it. This was about, you know, a civilized man who realizes the world has gone to pieces and he's no longer fit to live mm-hmm. in it. Just yesterday morning, my daughter is shifting through the, uh, Entertainment Weekly summer movie summer preview issue, and she sees a picture of Catwoman from The Dark Knight Rises. She said, "Ooh, Catwoman!" And my wife says something effective, "Ooh, you could take Allie to see that." And I got a little annoyed with her to saying that because you know I'm not going to take Allie to The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> and then she, you know, Allie asked why not, and I was about to say this, and I felt so stupid saying because it's a Batman movie for grownups. <laughs> and you know what does it mean that I feel stupid saying that? You know, anyway, that's. Is I, I I might write about that later this week, but there's something to be said that 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 phrase now sounds ridiculous to me. Huh. Interesting, but man. Yeah. So let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Um, I'm just going to mention the contest again. Um, as I said, uh, 
Cabin in the Woods t-shirt and an Evil Dead 2 DVD. Not a bad package and pretty simple to get. All you have to do is email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com and just provide us with some kind of anecdote about, so, uh, you know, a few sentences, a paragraph about, you know, if I, I assume you've seen Cabin in the Woods if you listened thus far. And, you know, did that movie make you think about something particularly scary in movies in general, like a specific movie or something? Just, you know, give, elaborate on that in some way if you can. I think that's, email us and you know, write us in. If you have any questions, too, you know. Maybe about horror movies you know we can it's fun it's fun you know going into that on the show yeah, as well. and it makes our job it makes our job separate note, i mean <laughs> a separate note is if you just feel as though you want to email us in with your thoughts about maybe some of the feelings that you got from this movie or what you thought this movie meant that'd be fantastic we'd love to read those and maybe even share them on the air and lockout yeah <laughs> can't forget that one yeah. If you have any special, if you have any premises for a snow sequel for Lockout, you're free to email those in too. But there's <laughs> one man they didn't count on. Snow. All right, so um, <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a little extra little extra spoiler bit for Cabin in the Woods. There, this has been out now, Baron and Abe, and uh, thanks again, Scott, for joining us. For always a pleasure. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on soon enough. And uh, yep. So once again, until next time, so long and goodbye. Farewell. Wanna die, city run, 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 hang with girls, shoot my gun, wanna catch the race, on the sun, wanna drink and drive, have some fun. Evil Dead is a place to go that nobody <laughs> tells you about. Look out, there's a book, it's gonna kill ya. What's that in the yonder? I think it's a tree of wonder, and it's a coming, gonna rape me, here it comes. Okay, so that's... <laughs> <laughs>